Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I typically take turns introducing one another to movies. Uh, And in this way, we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Um, Today is kind of a special event on the show. Uh, I say kind of uh, because this is our official 50th episode. Official meaning like we have a lot of different show formats here. Um, We have the standard episodes, which this would be an example of the 50th one of. But then we also do catching up on Blu-ray every month. And then occasionally we'll have my brother on the show and we'll do something we call a triple threat. Then we also have theatrical editions where uh, we go out to the theater to watch something contemporary. Uh, But this episode uh, is the 50th like mainstream, just Kyle and Trevor talking about a movie episode. So it's kind of a big deal. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, and to celebrate things, uh, Kyle had the brilliant idea of having us uh, revisit a franchise that I guess you'd say is near and dear to our hearts. More um, or less, yeah. Like, there was a certain moment in time when, when these movies were a really big fucking deal to both of us. And uh, that franchise is, of course, uh, Universal's The Mummy. Um, and earlier in the show's history, uh, we did uh, The Mummy 1999 versus The Mummy 2017. <laughs> Uh, So, for this episode, we're going to be doing The Mummy Returns from 2001, directed by Stephen Summers, same as the first one. Uh, Yeah, this is not a good movie. We'll go say that at the top. (laughs) We'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, This is a very, very silly movie. Uh, But as you mentioned off air, it's very much of its time. Um, We can't, we also, I wanted to do this too, because we're not going to be able to do a comparison of uh, the Mummy sequel to the 2017 one, because I don't think that's getting a sequel. I don't know. I I feel like Universal's still trying to hold on to that. Like, they're still trying to pretend that that's going to happen. That Dark Universe experiment thing, I... I don't think it's officially been closed down. Like the I Frankenstein, Dracula and Unto- Dracula Untold. Well, they kind of put like the the cart before the horse. Mm. Uh, what happened was that they they went balls out in marketing this thing before they see the Marvel movies. There was a blueprint before they started cranking these things out. Like when they had their big press conferences and they had all the you know the the graphics like all the titles lined up of like a dozen different films that they're going to be releasing in the next three years. That's how you fucking do that. Yeah. The Dark Universe, though, what they did was they they started working on The Mummy, started, and then they had their big cast photo of all all the stars that they had captured, all the people who they had gotten to sign contracts, uh, just sitting on a couch, and it was like it looked like a Vogue like <laughs> like like photo shoot or something. It yeah. was like Russell Crowe, Tom Cruise, Javier Bardem, Johnny Depp. Mm. Um, there were a couple others I can't remember, but basically it's like, hey, look at all these people we got. So it's like something they're putting out more for the sake of like potential investors rather than the general public. Um, but look where we're at with that. I have yet to see Javier Bardem in a Frankenstein movie. I have yet to see Johnny Depp in an Invisible Man movie. I think the pitch meeting literally, they walked in and they're like, you're probably wondering why we all gathered you here. Marvel. This. <laughs> and that's all it was. Is like, you guys missed the boat on Marvel. Now we're going to try to do it. Well, like, all the studios are in kind of a pickle right now. Where, I mean, the, the way the international box office works right now, I've, I've gone over this before, but it's like everybody's vying to get their movies into Chinese theaters. That's how you make money. China. And the way China works with its film economy is it's like a lottery almost. It's not a lottery. It's a selection process. But basically it creates a bidding war. 
where the Chinese government only allows a certain number of foreign films into the country oh, every calendar year I was or every fiscal that. year. So every studio, that's why they dump all their money and their resources into one or two big films every year is because they want one of those slots. China. Yes. Yeah. So you have Universal and Sony and, and, and Disney and Marvel and stuff like competing for these slots. And in Universal's case, it's like, what franchises do we have? It's like, well... We got like Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff. We still got that on lock. It's like, let's take a swing, see if it works. I don't know that it did. <laughs> but that's that's what everybody's kind of racing to do at this point, is to to take the intellectual properties that they have and just leverage them for, for all they're worth. Um, gotcha. But in 2001, <laughs> things were quite different, weren't they, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, as you mentioned, this is the sequel to The Mummy 1999, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're probably wondering, well, why did The Mummy get, uh, why did it have a sequel? We pretty much closed the book, The Book of the Dead, on Emotep in the first one. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, because the first one had an $80 million budget and made over $400 million. So they're like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to need to make a sequel to that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we, uh, we definitely, we, Steven Somers actually, I have to hand it to him. Like he knew that the rock was going to be a big deal before the rock was even a big deal in movies. Cause this is one of the rocks first role, like one of his earliest roles, I would say. I think it was his very first acting role. Um, right. I know he had a, a guest slot on an episode of Star Trek at one point. Oh really? Yeah. He, he played a, a glad, an arena gladiator with a, with a, funny prosthetic nose a wrinkly nose because that's how you designate alien in star trek <laughs> tom hardy was in one of the movies i don't remember if it was nemesis yes skinny tom hardy skin mm. and bones tom hardy but pip squeak yeah but yeah you can count on one hand the number of words the rock speaks in this movie Aku Mashente. there yep. you go <laughs> so actually full disclosure uh trevor i believe rewatched this for the podcast today i did i did not because i know this movie by heart um, I was like, well, I can rent it for three ninety nine on Amazon. I'm like, or I can just use my memory, save save a few bucks. That's a couple bus rides. So yeah, I kind of wish I had done that because you, know, well, <laughs> you realize you didn't need to rewatch. Yeah, it. the whole time I was watching it, I was I was kind of realizing that it's like you know the parts I didn't remember. There was a very good reason why I didn't remember them. Yeah, because this movie drags ass in the middle. Oh like, yeah, bad. Like you could take that kid and just shoot him in the head. Fuck that kid. Oh my god. What I remember the marketing. Do you remember the marketing for this? You know, like. Every other paragraph in my notes has trailer shot written next to it because that's how I think that's actually how I remember this movie. It's just the marketing campaign because there's so many trailer shots in the movie. I know every single trailer shot in the movie. I think I do too. It's nuts. Like there's so many things where I was like, wow, I feel like I'm remembering the trailer more than the movie. Do you remember the Rachel Vice? Because it's where they're fighting in their house and she does like the one two one two and then she pulls out a sword and like slices the dude i'm like it's fucking yeah and what's really weird though is that there's a lot of like trailer lines that really don't fit into the the edit of the movie at all like when she says oh my god (laughs) oh my god it's like this weird moment where it's like why is everything all grave and solemn right now that's not appropriate this is a goofy movie those flashbacks can suck it too uh that okay so (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot in this movie that actually straight up just sucks there's a lot of what uh (laughs) but (laughs) it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, so we'll just give you a, if you have I'd be surprised if you haven't seen this uh, movie at our age like if you're in your early or late 20s early 30s I'm assuming you've seen this but uh, a, a stupid little cult decides to bring back Emotep 
and it it's up to the O'Connells to uh, send him back to the land of the dead. I don't know where they've sent him. Uh, what's the Egyptian hell? Hell? I Hades? Don't know. <laughs> have, I don't know. Hell, whatever it is. They have to send him back. Um, we bring back Arnold Vosloo, uh, the lady who plays Anaxuna Moon. She's crazy hot. Um, <laughs> Rachel Weisz. Uh, who's Jonathan? You know, I don't actually know. Some, I feel like it's something Banks. I don't know. I'll, I'll look him up. But yeah. but that's neither here nor there. The point is, this movie is, as Kyle had mentioned, uh, very much a product of its time. And there are a lot of little oddities that pop up here and there that I think it's really fascinating to, to look at the movie in a in its context like when it was released because if you just if you just like see it for the first time today you'll look at it and you'll be like huh this is kind of a weird movie and it's like i get that they're trying to make it this super action-packed action adventure movie but they're not quite hitting the mark because standards have changed radically in the past you know 15 years 17 years or whatever um but in its time everything that it's doing was like that was the flavor yeah that was the flavor of the month like, I think the first one, uh, I think you can appreciate as an adult. I like. I think there's some there's some really fun elements and there's some scary elements. I, it's it's a fun movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. This is a fun movie at, for a kid. I think this is more of a kids movie because of the action. Well, I've I feel like I had a lot of fun rewatching this because it was a bit more action packed and the dumb shit just went right over my head. I'm like, ah, I don't care about that. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, John Hanna is the name of the actor who plays Jonathan, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I I think you hit the nail on the head. That's actually something I was writing in my notes while I was watching the movie. This movie's for kids. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, 100% of the reason why the child is in the movie as much as he is. Well, it's got the fucking rock. Mm, that's not so much. Like, wrestling at this that's point. That's for No, at this point in history, you know, wrestling was in its, like, attitude era. Can you smell... What the Rock is cooking? Okay, how old were you when you knew that? My dad didn't know what the fuck that was. I, I was probably what eleven? Yeah, ten or eleven. Correct. Yeah. 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 So you're okay. Maybe you're right. Know your role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Rock moments was um, he brings this lady onto the stage and he says, "Do you like pancakes?" Oh my god! And she says, "Yeah." And he goes, "Then pancake your ass back to Chicago." Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that is not clever at all, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think this movie was really, really strongly targeted at children. I think the idea was we're going to do the Star Wars Episode One with this. Mm. Uh, we're going to take something that was maybe intended for like an older audience or you know, slightly older audience. Yeah. But we're gonna dumb it down just just enough and give give the child audience a proxy in the form of a child like central character to try to try try to win those people over. Actually, I remember I remember the, the the trailer for this so well that I know the names of these actors because of the trailer. Um, oh, uh, Oded Fair, yeah, Oded Fair, <laughs> the, the handsome Israeli guy. Oh and, man, he's handsome. Oh, who, who's the, the the black gentleman? I believe he's Adewale. Uh, was it Akbaje or something? Somebody. I can't remember his last name, but I'm pretty sure his first name is Adewale. Uh, man, that guy has had a hell of a career. As in, like... Like, Kyle, everyone in this cast, of these people in this cast, who's been in a Marvel movie? Hmm. That's a great question. Thanks for, thanks for asking that question. Um, my, my money would have been on um, Arnold Vosloo playing, like, some kind of... 
No, he he did the very foolish thing of hanging out with his friend, the director Stephen Summers, and doing mm. GI Joe. Oh, so I was thinking he'd be like some kind of general, some kind of military guy. Plus, no. he's hacking off people's arms in uh, Blood Diamond. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, no, he's a scary fellow. I like Arnold Vosloo. I know that's that's he's, also kind of wanted to do this. I'm like, he's so charismatic. No, I, I really like Arnold Vosloo. Even those straight to video Darkman movies, he's he's enjoyable. I like yeah. him. But that uh, Adewale fella, uh, fella. Which, which he was in Thor: The Dark World. The Dark World. Which is that the Thor two? It's pretty much one of the worst Marvel oh, movies. Okay. But the point is, of this of this cast of people who were you know on top of the world in two thousand one, only one of them has been in a Marvel movie, and it was him. He has screen presence. I mean, I wish Brendan Fraser was still doing stuff. Uh, he's he's popped up in the background of a lot of big fucking movies. He's kind of that guy, and he's also very charismatic. He's in Ace, Ace Ventura too. Pet Detective. Yeah. No, the whole time I was watching this movie, well, re-watching this movie, I was, like, saying to myself, man, I kind of wish he had had, like, a face turn towards the end of this movie, because the whole time, like, he's he's with the kid most of the movie, which yeah. which sucks. He wants to kill this fucking He wants kid. to kill the kid. He's not even in character, man. He just yeah. doesn't <laughs> like this. What's his, Freddy, Freddy something, like, and introducing this little blonde fuck. Yeah, and, and the whole time you're just like, man, this guy is so much more useful. He can be used for so many other better things. And in fact, he has a couple of sword fights that are fun. And he's got good screen presence. And I was wanting him to, like, I don't know, maybe identify with the kid or something or help him escape and then become a good guy at the end. Uh-uh. Nope. No. <laughs> bad guys are bad guys, and good guys are good guys in this movie. Everything's very black and white. He wants to kill the handsome Israeli guy. And uh, I... I- I appreciate nobody makes sexual advances to Rachel Vice in this movie. And how, when did she learn to fight, by the way? Um, they hand wave it away. Well, uh, there's a scene. I've just been hanging out with Brendan Fraser. It's fine. She figured well, it out. They they actually address it. It's kind of interesting um, because the first time she engages in action scene in this movie, uh, the kid is like, "How did you learn how to do? Or when did you learn how to do that, Mom?" Yeah, and she says, "I have no idea." I have no idea. So I'm guessing the the flashbacks. Yeah. Her, her past life is like bleeding into the present or something and then when she's shooting later on we have actually kind of a cute moment it's like a nice romantic beat where husband and wife are talking about guns and he's like like you can tell he's worried about her but he's like trying to cover it up by being very pragmatic and explaining to her like oh yeah don't forget to lead the target and, you know, and she's like i know how to shoot husband <laughs> another another reason i think this is uh uh, aim towards kids because he's got Brendan Fraser. Like I, I want to see Gods and Monsters, but I haven't yet. Uh, but yeah, George of the Jungle. He's more of a kid, kid, young, like young person. I really actor. loved Blast from the Past when I was younger. I didn't like, watch. I really it. enjoyed that movie. I haven't seen that. That's where he sleeps in the. He lives in the bunker and then he gets out. Christopher yeah. Walken's his dad. I might watch and, uh, that. Sissy SpaceX's mom. Oh, so carries his mom. That's, <laughs> that's a scary pair of parents. Yeah, makes for an interesting child. <laughs> but no, Brendan Fraser was on top of the world at this point, and he's God, he's charming. I really loved what happened when they uh, put out the the marketing for. The, well, no, when the the Mummy twenty seventeen came out, and he emerged from his exile, his self imposed exile, to just yeah. like put up just like a, a picture of like the box office earnings on his Twitter. He just came out of nowhere, and he was like, <laughs> "What did it tank at the box office?" I guess it didn't live up to expectations the first um, the steven somers one did i'm kind of curious actually um brendan fraser has not been in a marvel movie uh which in the current climate of hollywood means oh he's not a legit actor he, but oh, sorry. but uh the dc cinematic universe has been doing a thing that i don't know how many like percentage wise i don't know how many people are actually paying attention to 
but they have an app and they have any number like they have tons of of like serialized tv type programs on a streaming service for like all of their comic book properties and they're cranking these things out uh, and he's on one called a uh it's not suicide squad it's a uh, doom patrol hmm. and he plays robot man who in the comics is hilarious he's one of the he's one of the like standout characters of that entire franchise and i'm like that that might be a selling point like yeah. i'm kind of curious because he's been out of the game for so long and he's so good well i think he is he was i think i saw a kind of a recent picture i'm like he's losing his hair in all the wrong places like it's just not uh there's there's a good way to bald and there's a bad way to bald he's not balding a good way i think he needs to turn like i feel like like, like the the thing is, is like once women hit their forties in Hollywood, they don't get cast for stuff. I think for some guys, like once you start balding a certain way, I'm like, we need you to get creepy because we can't cast you for anything else. Like you either need to become a dick, or you need to be a creepy guy. I well, think he, he's doing voiceover exclusively for Doom Patrol. I don't, I don't. It's they're doing it right. Uh, Robot Man is portrayed by a man in a rubber suit. Okay, which is kind of cool. That's good. Um, but I don't know if he's wearing the suit. Mm. I highly doubt it. But uh, he's got a good voice. Yeah, I said we we can't look at you right now. <laughs> we can listen to you. We don't want to look at you. Or he could you know shave his head, and if Vincent D'Onofrio gets tired of being the kingpin, he can be kingpin too, or something. I can see that. <laughs> but yeah, we should probably actually like get to the narrative of the movie. Yeah. Um, so this is a sequel, and uh, some of the things that I feel it does right are like nods to cinema past. Like it, it has that adventure movie vibe. It really does feel like akin to the. You know the serials of the 30s and 40s, the Indiana Jones style movie, yeah. like the that that kind of adventure movie. Um, some of those touches are nice. Uh, some of the escalations, like the scale of it, are not as welcome. <laughs> like I wish it was maybe a little a little dumbed down, like a little smaller, a little more focused. Um, but yeah, the core of the plot is we have two adventuring parties, the good guys and the bad guys, and we're in a race against time. Uh, to stop the rock from coming from from waking up and wreaking havoc. Uh, yeah, yes, this is true. Um, but yeah, we we start off actually being introduced to we get some exposition from yeah. uh, uh, what's his name in the movie? Uh, Our Death Bay. Our Death Bay. You remember that because Ade- no? yeah. when they meet each other, Our Death Bay. Oh, no? <laughs> it's like. That was actually pretty good. I was like, is that all just gibberish? Are you guys speaking baby talk to each other? Looking for the chest. <laughs> I, lo- I love his delivery in that, in that scene. He's like, no homo, no homo, no hey. <laughs> Jumping Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, he does his voiceover that he, he did in the first movie as well. So yeah, we learn that The Rock, we go back to like ancient Egypt, uh, CGI ancient Egypt, of course. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm saying that because it's like real. Like at the, t- I think I saw this in the theater. That's what I was going to mention. I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater. I absolutely did. I had to. This is a theater movie. Uh, I mean, the the marketing for this movie was inescapable. Get your ass into the movie theater. Um, yeah, you got to get in there. So yeah, we get to the the CGI. It, it, it's very clearly CGI. Uh, uh, ancient Egypt, and the, they're like the Rock is this fucking awesome warrior and shit, and he's got this stupid fucking bracelet, and uh, he says Akumashinte, and he brings all of his all of his boys, and they uh, they end up fighting 
I think they pillage for a while. I think they're kind of like. Uh, well, we only really get one battle scene. Yeah. And what we're told through through Ardeth Bay's Ardeth Bay yes. <laughs> through all of his narration is that the Scorpion King has been rampaging. He's doing kind of like an Alexander the Great type thing where mm-hmm. he's trying to conquer all the lands across the planet. Um, but we only really get one this this journey represented through one battle, mm-hmm. and it's. Like for the time, the CGI is actually pretty good. Um, there's a there's a lot of cloning going on where you can tell they had five five CGI models and mm-hmm. they just clone stamped them over and over and over and over again. You definitely see that in the final battle with, oh, with yeah. the big dogs. Like you just there's see- a reason they're big dogs is because there's only three of them. We just cloned them a whole bunch. They're Mortal Kombat background like crowd people. Fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're bad. Yeah. Um, Two thousand one. Keep that in the back of your mind um, in regards to all these all the special effects that we've mentioned in this this review here. But uh, we get the one battle scene. Uh, it's it's the Rock versus some other army. It's a big clash of humans. Uh, we have the Rock, so obviously he needs to crack some skulls. Uh, it's not terribly intricate choreography. But the funny thing here is that he loses. <laughs> he does lose, <laughs> and he gets he like. He like like trundles yeah. off in like a walk of shame. He gets his ass whomped. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. He's going into exile to die into the desert. Like yeah. that's what happens. Like they marched all the way there. They have no water. They just got finished with the battle. He's going to the desert to die. So uh, he decides he like he he outlives most of his men because he's uh, I, they don't understand how big, how it is for big people. Like yeah, six foot six, two hundred and eighty pounds. Oh god, like, his caloric intake. Like he probably requires like six thousand calories or something be, just to stand. He'd be the first one to die. It yeah. would be the little five foot four guy that was like the drummer. <laughs> he would be the one. <laughs> That's the one that makes it because uh, he doesn't need the water and the fuel to keep going. But yeah. Uh, because the rock doesn't know uh, where hell is, he starts uh, praying and yelling at the god of death. Uh, oh, yeah, and then Ardith Bay talks over his his dialogue, yeah. so I'm not counting that as spoken spoken no. dialogue on screen. We're not counting that. He, yeah, he's <laughs> looking up when he should be looking down because that's who he's talking to. Uh, and then a fucking scorpion just comes out of nowhere and he eats it. He eats. Well, <laughs> he bites it. <laughs> uh, he does bite it. And then I guess that deal uh, really worked out because uh, now he's like uh, Genghis Khan, just like fucking people up. Well, there's kind of a cool moment here where he he like oh, makes it. He makes yeah. a deal with Anubis, and Anubis uh, saves him by first granting him the scorpion for sustenance, and then yeah, creating an oasis underneath his feet. And this is not just an ordinary oasis. This is a fucking like rainforest jungle that just springs up under him, and the. The technicals ah, here, yeah. the the CGI here, it's, it's from two thousand one, but it's not bad. It's fine. Like it's, it, I get what they're trying to do here, and it, it kind of works. Was this the heaviest CGI movie at the time? Because now that I'm thinking about it, like bad, like what we would look back on and say, like that's not very good CGI. Is this like this feels like it was really crazy heavy CGI? It might be. Um, the use of CGI in this movie is an example of like. It's like every example of how not to use CGI, <laughs> of, of how to offend your animators and how to do everything wrong. Because like Jurassic Park is probably the, the shining example of how to do it right. Mm-hmm. You use it sparingly, and any time that you do, make sure that every shot is set up perfectly for it. So we have our, our lighting and our coloring like synced up with our animators. We have the physics of the situation plotted and planned out before we even start filming. This is just a lot of point in the camera and fix it in post. Yeah. George Lucas style. Yeah. 
um, which is not how you want to do it because if you give that to an animator if you give those shots to an animator and say just fucking do it they're like how (laughs) (laughs) fucking how (laughs) and there's a lot of shots in this movie that are kind of like that where it's just like let's put computer generated thing as close to the fucking camera as possible so they can see every wart and blemish on it oh like uh the rock at the very end (laughs) yeah that would be maybe the most famous example or infamous example (laughs) it's been getting a lot of uh criticism here lately which i think is unfair but that's fine i mean it's 2001 it it, you did the best that you could there were a lot of harebrained decisions that they they kind of dropped the ball they probably should have just saw that Yes, this technology is very powerful, but it has limitations. <laughs> we need to respect those limitations. They did not. No limitations. They slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, uh, and they're, they're, they're selling it. They're selling it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the Oasis springs up. The Oasis of Amsher. Amsher. There's I so many cool names in the Mummy movies. That's they, like part of what makes them charming. It was really, it was really wise of them to have him narrate because he narrates the first one too. He just has a, he has a nice, the silky smooth, just dulcet a, tones of Oded Fair. Just a velvety <laughs> voice. Yeah, I listened. To his it. his demo probably consists of him going, oh, fishy, fishy, fishy. <laughs> <laughs> his voice over demo. My favorite line from that is when he drinks the fish that gets put to the blender oh no he goes spicy <laughs> yeah i love his his facial tick where he like blinks out of sync like his eyelids close at different rates spicy <laughs> <laughs> i think my brother and i we've seen that movie several times that was the funniest moment of that whole movie was i, I was thinking fish. i was thinking to myself the other day i don't know why it had nothing to do with the mummy returns because you hadn't even brought it up yet yeah. but just independent of you um that trailer shot of Rob Schneider flipping off of the fish tank mm-hmm. is that has to be like one of the more famous stunts of its era, possibly because <laughs> it's such an iconic image. Like I have it, I can play it back in my mind anytime I want. I'm trying to erase Rob Schneider from my memory. <laughs> I'm just trying to get that taste out but, of my mouth. Like if you look it up and you, you rewatch it, you'll you'll to. oh not going to. okay, <laughs> but just like watching him flip off of that fish tank and the way he bounces off the ground, I'm like. That looked like it really the bounce, hurt. The bounce. <laughs> that yes. looked like it really hurt. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yes, it's the bounce that gets it. Yeah. And I love that they got it from like three different angles because it's like we can only do this once. We we don't have the budget to do this once even. <laughs> it's like probably Rob Schneider had to like open his wallet just to do this or something. Rob Schneider movies are like 98% physical comedy. I'm sorry, I'm saying those are the only funny parts of his movies. Ah. Yeah. Very true. Although I do like, you can put your weed in it. Yeah. I do like that. One of Adam Sandler's best roles. Yeah. But but you can put your weed in it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've never smoked weed in my entire life, but I still say that to people sometimes. Put your weed in there. Um, But yeah, the the, the rock, uh, the the scorpion king, he uh, he gets awarded with Anubis's army, which I was not aware Anubis had an army who all looked like him. Yeah, I didn't think he needed one, but. Yeah, it was a little, it's a little gaudy, but the point is he has a bunch of like Anubis warriors, as they're called, yeah. who look like jackal people, who are like twice as big as I expected them to be, because mm. in terms of scale, um, the first time we see them is a trailer shot, yeah, iconic trailer shot, where like one of them is like bellowing to the heavens mm-hmm. after killing a dude, and we don't really get a sense of the scale, and it looks like their physiology is like humanoid dog person so you yeah. expect oh it's gonna be the size of a person no these things are like 10 feet tall <laughs> yeah they're, they're really really big that's why i remember that the shot at the end where the guy's like kind of fighting with one i'm like he sh- these guys should be running through the there it's no match it is like 
a, a team of Wilt Chamberlains <laughs> just <laughs> running through a high school basketball team. It's just... It's not. It's one side. Yeah, the Magi do really well at the end of this movie. They're like I mean, unexpectedly well. That's their life, man. They're, they're warriors and shit. I, I guess, but against like ten foot tall jackal people, <laughs> fuck. Like, good job. But yeah, he he gets his army, and then we get to see him like doing the pillaging thing, yeah. and, like raiding Thebes or whatever, where he where he fucked up last time, where he lost before. Um, and then we get another trailer shot that should not have been in the trailer. Um, it's a Anubis for no reason whatsoever, like taking the rock's soul and like oh. all of his powers and like. So why did Anubis give him the army and then take it away? I never figured that out. I think it was just like, hey, I don't want to die, and he's like, well, I need you to kill a bunch of people because I maybe he's got like a prison industrial complex going down there in hell, oh, yeah, and he's got to keep it fed with souls. Kind of like a, like Shang Tsung is kind of like he's kind of doing that shit too. Yeah, like he's sucking souls. He's like, yeah, he's holding on to him, but like he's got like a. He's got like a work release thing going on. He's like, yeah, you guys work like 60 hours a week. You get Shang, to sleep Shang a little Tsung's bit. Shang has got some offshore accounts, you know. He's like, get kind of low, you know. <laughs> Those boats are not going to row themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Anubis takes his powers away for reasons unknown. Just um, and then we get this shot of... Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you were going there yet. But I didn't even think about it until the second you said it. I'm like, the rock. Like, just, he looks like he's... Backed up against an electric fence. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. He's going, wooga, 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 wooga. And it, they try to cover it up, like the goofiness, they try to cover it up with like a CGI light bloom, but it's like, I can see him clear it's, as day. It's bad. Well, and, I, that awesome, well, the thing we mentioned in the first mummy was when uh, uh, whoever takes uh, Arnold Vosloo at the end of it, they like suck his soul out and then he's like reaching for his soul. Wait, no, he chases him. He chases his soul. <laughs> it's so adorable. It's really cute. <laughs> He chases his own soul. Uh, oh, yeah, Arnold Vosley has a couple of adorable moments in that first one. He has some adorable moments in this second one. I screen captured one of them. Please, I don't, I don't even tell me. There's I'm not going to tell you. There's one we'll that get there. I cannot wait to talk about. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. No. We'll, we'll get there, and I hope we're thinking of the same thing. I think about it once a month, I'd say. It pops <laughs> in my head, because it's one of the funniest executions I've ever seen in oh, a movie. Oh, shit. Uh, but yeah, let's keep, let's keep, let's keep so, on cruising. So, we move on to... Modern times? Egypt in the 1930s. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy? I'm Ron Burgundy? Uh, and we get Brendan Fraser's entrance to the film. It needs to be said right up front. Uh, he is underutilized in this movie. I would agree. It's really unfortunate because he is... It's Rachel Weisz's movie, honestly. Yeah. it it They attempt to make it her movie, but there's too many characters. There's too many moving parts. There and, are a lot, yeah. So nobody really gets sufficient screen time to make you care about them. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser, though, I think he's he's so goddamn charming, and he really makes that first Mummy movie. Oh, yeah. Like, every line he has in there is executed, like, to perfection. Like, his relationship with Benny throughout the movie is is very they, charming. I'm actually surprised, because I guess he's good friends with Stephen Sommers, because he's in Deep Rising, uh, Joe? Van Helsing. He's in, like, all of his movies. Yeah. I think this is the only one that he's not in, and, like... There's no way we can bring back Benny. Like yeah, no, Kevin, Kevin J. O'Connor. He was he. I love him in that first movie. Yeah, Kevin KJOC. He's, KJOC. You know, I like him. Yeah. I, I I like that he pops up in the movies we cover. Like, he gets <laughs> shot in the head as fuck, and there will be blood. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, that was kind of cool though, seeing him in a in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He does really. He does a really good job in that movie too. He does. He's a good actor. He's great. Um, and yeah, he is sorely 
missed. He's in missed the, in, in the one. Mummy Returns. Yeah. Uh, because him and Brendan Fraser play off each other really well in that first one. Looks like you're on the wrong side of the river yeah. is one of the coolest moments in that movie. Um, but Brendan Fraser here, he gets his entrance. And it's very James Bond esque. I love the I love the uh, sound or uh, the the. the the sound that's happening in here because when I watch it just in my living room it's it feels like I'm in the theater mm. because of the the acoustics that they have in this wherever they're filming this like yeah he's kind of walking through the, the cobwebs you don't really know what he's doing right now but yeah James Bond but he's got his gun up he's you know he's doing the posing a little bit like we're doing Indiana Jones James Bond shit like at the very beginning but well they, they do the th- they do the Indiana actually Indiana Jones is probably a more accurate description because mm. the way uh, he's introduced in Raiders, you get to see him from behind. He throws the whip and then he steps out of the shadows. It's in stages, we, and it's the same here where we see him in shadow, but we see a silhouette like holding a gun, so we can tell he's a man of action. Oh, man, then he pulls down the cobwebs, and we finally get the face reveal. So it's it comes in stages. I forgot that is an awesome entrance, by the way. I completely forgot. I mean, introducing your character is is a huge part of telling a good story, if you ask me. He's like, introduced like brings Bruce Springsteen in a fucking music video. He's got <laughs> he's got ass and head turned to the side, like he's about to get in here. <laughs> you can't see it, folks, but Kyle just did that to perfection. I'm sorry, that was Adam Sandler's best role when he made fun of Bruce Springsteen on Saturday Night Live and did the. Do you remember that where he does do. the? Oh my god, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that got him a film career. <laughs> that that. That an opera man. Are we? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Um, but yeah, we are in an Egyptian tomb. Uh, the O'Connell family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have since had a child. So uh, Evie, played by Rachel Weisz, and uh, Rick, Rick. Uh, have had a child by the name of Alex. Fuck this kid. I hate this kid. I hate him so much. Um, he plays a huge part in the proceedings of the film. Uh, so we're going to have to talk to him. Every, we're going to have to talk about him every once in a while. It gets a little irritating. He's a part of the fucking plot and shit. Uh, uh, kids introduced to us via a jump scare, which, again, makes me hate him even more. <laughs> Basically, uh, Brendan Fraser turns a corner, spooks, like the kid jumps in front of him and spooks him. I. Uh, we go digging through the tombs a bit, uh, and we get our first introduction, like introduction of some exposition. Introduction. <laughs> but yeah, we we get our uh, first dose of exposition here, mm-hmm. where the kid just randomly points out that oh hey da because he's a fucking Brit. Um, the tattoo on your wrist, I saw that that uh, hieroglyphic like on the wall here in the tomb, and it needs to be said that I, this is a retcon for sure. Uh, he did not have said tattoo in the first movie, to my knowledge. Although he had that leather, say, he's wearing Nickelback leather bracelets in that first one, so he could have had it. But he could have, but, but it's very convenient. Well, Trevor, let me ask you a question: How does he get that tattoo? Why don't you let me know? Because he sure as shit doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Oh yeah, I got a tattoo. I don't know where the fuck it came from. You know what? You know every single tattoo you've got. You know exactly where it came from. I mean, he was doing a lot of gunfighting in the desert. <laughs> I mean, I think he mentions that like he when he was a child or something, there was a shaman or something. Yeah, I think he mentions he got it in childhood or something. But the point is, it's it's a magi tattoo. Yeah. Uh, so you think he would have pieced that together when he saw uh, 
Our death bay. Our death bay. Uh, <laughs> forehead tattoos. Yeah. Like, oh, that's like the same fucking Me thing. Our right? death bay, who we had an entire movie running alongside with, like, who is prattling on and on and on about the Magi every yeah. chance he gets because apparently he has no life outside of it. No, 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 no. Man, he should be hooking up with things left. He right. would be crushing it. Yeah. If he just committed to it, he would be unstoppable. He'd be a monster. That man bun? Oh, man. He's the one who would have put the man bun on the, on the map. <laughs> Yeah. In the 1930s. <laughs> There's a reason why he played a gigolo in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. It's because that he's totally believable. He's thoroughly convincing. <laughs> thoroughly convincing, yes. Um, but point is, you need to put a pin in that tattoo. There's actually some attempts at some clever writing here with yeah. uh, plot devices introduced very early on that pay off much, much later. Yeah. Um, they try. Like this, this, this is not a lazy effort. No, I, this is not th- a lazy Absolutely effort. not. This is like a top-shelf action blockbuster and hindsight being 2020 you can't it, it, that's why this is a glass half full show we're trying to be positive here like you can't look at this movie through 2019's lens and be like oh man that movie's stupid and like no 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 this was a lot of fun this was there's a reason why both of these movies made a lot of money no i left the theater very happy with this i've seen this movie about as many times as jurassic park I would it's say. Much harder to come back to than something like Jurassic Park. Correct. But at the time, this is what we had. Yeah. And it worked just fine. Brendan Fraser was killing it. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of killing it, uh, hello, Miss Vise. Yeah. Uh, we get introduced to Rachel Vise. Uh, she kicks a snake. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a cute moment because everything she does in these movies is fucking adorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, She's just adorable all around. She's yeah. great. Uh, I couldn't help but write in my notes, love the blouse. Uh, it's working <laughs> for me. A lot of her clothing in this movie, absolutely yeah, top notch works for me <laughs> um and then we get a moment that's very indiana jones-esque uh where she's like doing the clink 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 thing like the archaeology type stuff or yeah. egyptology type stuff where you have like these tiny micro instruments that you're using to like shave away layers of dust very carefully and of course Rick walks into the room and instantly takes a crowbar to the wall and just yeah. knocks it the fuck clink. down because uh, that's how things are done in America. <laughs> they're, they're they're treasure hunting at this point. They're not doing archaeology. Like, the way they're moving through stuff... She would absolutely never let him do this, by the way. If she takes this seriously, you can't just start taking a crowbar or whatever bar this is. No! Absolutely not. No, these Unacceptable. are... Unacceptable. No, these are priceless antiquities. You can't, you can't do that. Like, yeah. no, absolutely not. No. But we got a movie to make, so yeah. we got to get rolling. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's funny, because this entire opening sequence... Like, I remember the opening prologue. Like, clear as day. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ardith, like, Oded Fair's talking. Of course I'm paying attention. But this entire sequence here in the tomb, I did not remember at all. Oh, really? And there's a good reason for that, because it, it's kind of boring. Yeah. It's very. It's a very cold open. What I do remember as the first scene uh, is the stuff in the mansion, mm, which yes. is fucking great. Yeah. Um, but this whole stuff in the tomb, I was like, oh, there's a reason I forgot this. <laughs> yeah. Um, because every it seems like every element that get gets introduced here in the tomb, I was like, "Fuck!" I kept rolling my eyes over and over and over again, like the kid and then the British people, like the thugs. Yeah, I was like, "God damn it!" Man. Oh, you mean uh, British Tom Sizemore? Absolutely. Yeah. Very uh, good job, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. But we get some more exposition here, uh, where Rachel Vise uh, mentions that she's been having dreams about this place, and somehow she knows. She knows how to navigate her way through this tomb, even though she's never been here before. And it's like, ooh, kind of a moment. Um, this is another one of those put a pin in it kind of things, because this is going to play a huge part in the story going forward. Um, 
And then we cut back to the kid, and he's, like, killing mice. And st- he's trying to kill mice. So yeah. I was like, that is a serial killer in training. Yeah, and mice you should leave alone. Rats kill those fucking things. They're disgusting. They'll eat your baby. Uh, yeah, and then we get introduced to a British Tom Sizemore yeah. and his, uh, his oh, cohorts. You cannot wait for this guy to die. Yeah, these guys are... Part of the reason why this movie feels like it's targeted children is these guys. Like, they feel like they're straight out of, like... Uh, Ducktails or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, the kids whacking him in the ass with yeah, uh, yeah, with a it's, slingshot. It's very Home Alone esque, where we get a little bit of slapstick here, where he's shooting stuff at them, even though they're they mentioned they're gonna go kill his parents and they have guns. I wouldn't pay that tall dude to do shit. Like if he's doing this kind of work, I'm like, no, 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 no. You two, you two look legit. That tall guy, get him the fuck out of here. Yeah, Spivey, like Spivey can eat a dick. Yeah, like get him. Fuck out. that guy. No, I hate, I hate that guy the worst. Uh, Jacques the the french egyptian yeah. guy he uh, he has one thing that i do like he's gonna kill that fucking kid well <laughs> with the, a knife okay two things like i like that he's really dead set on killing that fucking kid but i also like his line this place he's is cursed, cursed. <laughs> it's like his only line he says it a couple times no he says it a couple times and that's his catchphrase and that's all he needs to do spivey is just annoying because he even like parrots that at one point and it's like fuck you that's his thing. He gets his. <laughs> yeah, he does. On screen, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> but these guys reminded me of the the two fellas from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Correct. The one guy from Seinfeld and the skinny guy. The skinny guy is from, uh, he played the uh, equivalent of the Dwight character from the UK office. Uh, he's kind of the annoying, awkward one. Well, actually, in, in, all, in all honesty, every person in the office is close to being annoying or awkward <laughs> i was about to say isn't that the concept that like people are weird no matter no matter where you find them i don't know you should really watch that show because there's a reason why it's such a big deal steve carell is just phenomenal well i mean part of the what, reason i'm a little bit curious about is the fact that i've i've worked in an office for many years in my life now and i part of me really hates it um i've i've done labor jobs i've done things that were not in an office and the personalities you meet in office culture and the way that those personalities kind of conform to that environment, it's really fucking icky. <laughs> like, it makes for really sad, weird people. Michael Scott is unemployable. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> what he does on that show, he is unemployable. Noted. Um, so at this point, we get our first flashback. It's very brief, um, where Rachel Weisz is walking down a, a corridor and she we get a really cute edit moment it's it's dirt simple yeah, yeah. where she's whipping the torch and yeah. you know she plays it up where it's she, pretty funny i like when she's trying to do it Bring again it back. <laughs> and then of course her husband turns around it's like the fuck are you doing you know, if you do that fast if you can write your name <laughs> yeah no it's it's brendan fraser doing what he does best um and the point of this flashback is that she like gets transported to ancient times and sees the same place but like thousands of years earlier yeah when it was fresh and there's a a doorknob in front of them yeah. that is supposed to be hidden but you can kind of see it clear as day point is she learns the combination locked to this door yeah in this like yeah in like a, almost like a daydream like a yeah a daydream kind of thing and she's like yeah i know how to completely open it and she does open it and he's like okay now you're starting to freak me out a little bit i guess she's been having these uh these have been reoccurring that's why they're here it's because she keeps having these nightmares and it's brought her to this place, so they're like they're investigating it basically. Yeah. So, it's not actually not even Indiana Jones. This is actually part of the movie. Like we're just starting off straight into or straight into the movie with with these. Yeah. These guys. The the pace of this movie is really awkward because it, it 
it gets rolling real fucking fast. And it slows the fuck It down. slows the fuck down. Yeah. I mean, vehicle of choice. Dirigible. Dur- that- <laughs> I mean, that should spell it out to you, the pace of the middle of this movie. I like, I like, is it Izzy? Yes. Izzy, yeah, I do like him in this movie. He's he's fun. I like that he's not overutilized. He's kind of in and out. As, as You get as much of him as you need. He's the Benny that's on the right side of history this time. <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah. Uh, and he's used sparingly to good effect. Um, but we enter this chamber that Rachel Weisz unlocks for us, and there's a treasure chest in there, and uh, she has a remark like, what harm ever came from opening a chest? Yeah. Fun callback to the first movie. Did where you see like, the first one? Yeah. <laughs> Brendan Fraser reminds her, it's like, well, you probably said the same thing about that book that we read. And by the way, <laughs> if you don't remember the events of that first movie, she's to blame, 100%. Yeah, and he does remind her that it's like that was kind of your deal. I was the one that was a little cautious about doing. That. He even says it in the first movie. He's like, you know, this is your fault, right? He's like, you just had to open that book. Yeah. Well, and also he's the one that was like vehemently against even going to Hamanoptra. A hundred percent. He was like, I don't want to go there. But she was hot, and he just yeah, he followed. My God, she was hot. <laughs> I like her eye makeup in this movie. <laughs> But yeah, uh, in traditional adventure movie fashion, the place starts to come crum- like crumbling down. Uh, Ivy or Evie reads some hieroglyphics that tell us, "Oh, uh, whoever opens this chest is going to drink from that Nile," uh, meaning the river. Yeah. Um, and they find a bracelet in the case that has like an Anubis symbol and a scorpion body. So, scorpion king. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, in it's, case you couldn't put it together, <laughs> it's the bracelet that falls off the rock when he's doing his. When he's going. Woo, 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 woo. This is the one episode where I feel like we need, like, we need it on YouTube. We need visuals because it's very important. <laughs> it's important that you you know what that looks like. Yeah. Because if you haven't seen it, you really ought to Google it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a GIF of just that there has on to a be. loop. Actually, once we take a break, I've got it. I got to look that up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the Nile River comes spilling into the tomb. Um, it's a real it, problem. It's it's a bit of a problem. Uh, and it seems to come in right where they're standing, so they're getting the brunt of it. Uh, the thugs who were there to kill them and presumably steal the thing that they just grabbed, the bracelet, uh, they they leave They leave the child, though. Yeah. Um, and we get a, a nice stunt moment where uh, we get a domino effect with some pillars falling down. The kid is, like, holding on for dear life to one of these pillars. I couldn't help but write in my notes, is that a little person strapped to that pillar? It's very possible. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Because the way they set this up is that we get a, a 360 shot of the camera following the pillars falling. Just like the first one. First yeah. Uh, with the bookcases. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time we come full circle, the kid just kind of steps into the frame. Like, Whoa. So, it's, so it's like, yeah, that was probably a little that- person stunt person on that pillar. And then they, they just said, go, go. Hit your mark. We, we can only do this once. <laughs> I think that was his trailer. I think that was his trailer shot. Introducing F- Freddy. Is, no, is it Freddy Highmore? I don't think Highmore, but I wouldn't be surprised if his name's Freddy. I think it's Freddy. He had some stupid name. So yeah, the kid, um, you asked me to look it up. Uh, his name is, the actor's name is Freddy Boath, or Boath. I don't care. Um, but I'm almost positive you're right about the trailer moment. Uh, him saying, whoa, whoa, after everything falls. That's a very, that's, uh, that's very uh, 90s marketing. Mm-hmm. That's very radical market marketing radical. in 2001. Uh, so their their marketing team was probably not a uh, not with the times just yet. Um, but as it so happens, uh, the pillar that falls down uh, as a result of the kid uh, happens to open a, a hole in the wall uh, that saves his parents. Yeah. 
dumb luck to save the day. Um, however, they, they actually do a decent job of hand-waving away a lot of the deus ex machina that happens in this movie um, through things like the tattoo on Brendan Fraser's arm. Uh, Ardeth Bay goes on and on and on about things being preordained. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a theme in the story. Uh, so th- that's how they hand wave away bullshit like this. <laughs> you, you can bring in preordained if you're bringing people back from the dead. Like, just throw it in there with it. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. If you have a central character die and then get resurrected within ten minutes, it's that kind of movie. Whatever the fuck you want to do. Time travel, bring it in. Who cares? Yeah. No, I would not be surprised if, like, The Rock, if, like, the rock showed up to fight himself at the end. <laughs> yeah. It could I've mean, come back in time to fight you, Scorpion King. I mean, yeah, that's it's very it's very feasible. <laughs> I mean, I would not be surprised. Like if the Rock becomes president of the universe. Oh wait, him and President Debo from the Fifth Element. Ooh. Who would win? Debo. I'm President gonna, Debo. I'm yeah, Debo. I, Debo would fight dirty, man. Yeah. He'd like throw a bike at him in a in a gold chain. That's my bike, punk. <laughs> yeah. What gold chain? What bike? <laughs> There's a funny, there's a funny uh, gif where he's like, yeah, we got about $200. He's like, I got about $200. But, uh, <laughs> what $200? When you, like, get your paycheck, he's like, I got about, uh, I got about $1,000. And then your bills are like, I got about $1,000. <laughs> that was one of the most inspired casting choices. Yeah. Uh, President Debo, of President of the Universe, Debo. Him whack- killing that bug is one of the funniest things. Yeah, the shoe. That's, <laughs> that's so, pretty funny. Because you don't know what he's doing. <laughs> it's, it's so good. But yeah, when when The Rock inevitably becomes president of the cosmos, mm. which is going to happen, it's gonna happen in yeah. the next ten years, yeah. I would not be surprised if he dumps like a billion dollars into like remastering the Mummy Returns to like fix all of his effects work and like boost his role in the movie or something. I think where he's at in his career, I think he's going to be governor of California next because I think that's about where he's at. Uh, as far as movies go, like he's about, he's almost to his Terminator 3 because that's the last movie Arnold did before he became governor. He's getting close because like how many more movies can you do this year, man? Seriously. Yeah, he's a very, 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 very busy man. I don't know if Hobbs and Shaw lived up to the standards of the marketing <laughs> did you go see that i did not yeah, i know i feel bad like because that movie on paper should be my movie yeah like i should adore that movie Correct. I, I should i should have seen it five times by now yeah um but yeah uh we get introduced to the bad guys in the movie and that is mr adiwale and uh i don't know the actress's name uh she she's the reincarnated uh, Anuk Sunamun. Uh, actress's name is Patricia Velasquez. Velasquez yes. Pat. Um, she's in that uh, was it the Curse of La Llorona movie? I think. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember mentioning that on the Blu-ray episode we did a few days ago. Um, but yeah, we're introduced to a couple of the chief villains in this movie, and they're all in a tent, and we we are now at Hamanoptra, which yep. was the central location of the first film. And it's actually kind of a cool setup here. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's a dig site, yeah. and it's at night, and it, it feels very much like Rage's the Lost Ark, like the, the conclusion of that movie, like where they have the ark set up and stuff. And these two folks are in a in a tent. Uh, Adewale needs to be said is a gigantic fucking African dude with a, a cool outfit. It's very red. Has he has got a lot of like jewelry and what looks like a, a razor blade necklace. Yeah, <laughs> it's like not a razor blade, but it's like the emblem of his his clan or whatever uh, he's got a cool headdress and a big ass sword and uh anuk sun and moon uh, i'm just gonna call her that yeah that's because that's way. how i know her at, 
different actress from the first movie, nope. but she looks so much similar. I thought it was the same one. Is it? It's the same one, Patricia Velasquez. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Well, because like the facial structure looks really, really, really similar. But to the, like, I feel like when we do the flashbacks, she looks just different enough. But maybe she got, maybe I mean, she got like punched in the face in the <laughs> over the course of two years, and and like Mickey Rourked herself or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else she was doing at the time. But so probably like, how not. could they not get her? <laughs> um, but we see that these two. That's uh, her. That's her in the first one. Oh, so same actress. Yeah, uh, same character. Eventually, uh, <laughs> so these Calling two it, yeah. these two villains uh, they have both the book of life and the book of death which we spent the entire first movie trying like fighting to acquire and then we just kind of acquired the life book like by happenstance at the end of the movie the gold one kills you the not gold one brings you back to life there you go there we go (laughs) summed it up they have both of them um and then we get a cool scene with some bugs Yes, the uh, uh, scarab. What are they called? Scarabs. Scarabs. Yeah, the scarabs come back. If you remember them, they eat. Uh, they're flesh-eating bugs that will uh, get you down to bone in about four seconds flat. I'd say. Uh, yeah, these things pop up out of the ground and uh, they eat a few of the workers, if I'm not mistaken. It's kind of a cool scene. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a good scene for kids because it's like it's not like graphically violent or anything, but there's some imagery there, like. <laughs> Like when when we get the close up shot of the guy running up to the camera and the bugs are under his skin crawling into his mouth and yeah. then spilling out of his mouth, <laughs> that's, good. that's perfect for a kid. But while they're getting eaten, somebody's like that we found Emotap. Like we we're like, oh, this is a real fucking problem. Like no, 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 we found him. That's what was so funny is that the the scarab thing. It's this big sequence that it only lasts like twenty seconds or something. But we see that they take some fucking casualties from that. Mm-hmm. They were digging in the wrong place. <laughs> It was the wrong spot. <laughs> they were taking the wrong place, so they, like, fucked up. Like, Jesus. But, yeah, over there, they actually we find found him. him. <laughs> we found him. We found him. He's doing, like, a, a Bella Lugosi almost. Yeah, I need to know this actor's name. Alun Armstrong. He is, I believe he's the fella from Braveheart that gets killed in the bed. I, th- I think you're right. I think that's Yeah, him. yeah, with the horse and everything. Yeah, yeah, like, Wallace just comes in and just, that's a good death. I that is a great that. death. That is a, it looks legit. <laughs> no, the, uh, this fella that plays a character by the name of Mr. Hafez, uh, Alun Armstrong, he fucking sells this role. Yeah. Like, he, he knows what movie he's in, and he is swinging for the fences. Correct. I really like this guy. Yeah, he's good in this. But yeah, we found him. We found him. <laughs> we found him. I really love that. Yeah. Um, every Almost every line he has in this movie has some sort of inflection put on it that makes it memorable. He's channeling his classic horror movie. Like, Absolutely. That's what he's no, doing. No, I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of his performance. Um, and then they find Imhotep, and they do a thing that... I don't know if this was intentional or actually even what the intent here was, but this happens sometimes in monster movies where we have a sequel situation and we have we have elements of the story like put in place in such a way that it's like, yes, this is a direct sequel. However, things just don't quite match up. So like in Godzilla movies, for instance, usually the way a Godzilla movie will work is that the con- continuity consists of the first movie happened everything else didn't except for the movie you're watching now so we have the first inciting incident where it's like godzilla exists he attacked tokyo at one point um and then where he's at after that is kind of like just whatever the fuck because in like godzilla versus mothra he arrives in japan again um from a typhoon so where he gets he gets blown into the he gets blown back into the country by the ocean like he gets spit at spit at the country. So it's not continuity is what you're saying. Like it, 
Because, I mean, the way Imhotep met his end in the first movie doesn't match up with this movie. He's in some kind of uh, he's, he's amber. He's in amber. Yeah, he's in amber. Uh, we saw him submerge into a pool of, like, not tar, but, like, some gooey substance. Yeah, I mean, it's only been however old this kid is, basically. Uh, ten years, we'll say. Eight, maybe? Yeah. Not even ten. Yeah. Um, so maybe that was just how they were going to do it. Like, well, we can't really... It was maybe it was the easiest way to bring him back. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a creative decision, but it's just a, a thing that's kind of interesting. Where it's like, we didn't revisit the set from the first movie. We, yeah. we did something completely different. Which, from a visual standpoint, is kind of interesting. It, I mean, it works. You don't really ask a lot of questions at the time. You're just wait, waiting for him to come back, basically. But yeah, like, even the second Godzilla movie. Um, he's in a glacier, I think? It's like I haven't seen him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like what? Okay, and the, yeah, and King Kong versus Godzilla, same thing. He's in like he's in like a glacier, and then like an American submarine just finds him. Hmm. So it's like we didn't bother to match up the the moving parts of the first movie because in the first movie he fucking dies. <laughs> it's like so we we can do whatever we want. But I just thought that was fascinating that they didn't bother to connect the dots super precisely because like if you did that with a Marvel movie. All them neckbeards would be flipping the fuck out. Yeah. You'd be getting all the hate mail. Yeah, because their opinion matters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does to them. It does to them. Um, and then the uh, the British fellows from the from the tomb in the beginning of the movie, they show up. So we see that they were working for Mr. Hafez. Yeah. And uh, now we have a new plan because basically they were supposed to retrieve the bracelet. They did not. However, they know who they were supposed to get it from. So now Mr. Hafez is like, let's go fucking do it right yeah so he sends his his bad guys to visit the o'connells who apparently live in wayne manor um i noted here that like the the lighting in that first tomb scene didn't really work for me for the most part yeah it feels very stagey it was really i mean it was 100 percent a stage but it felt like it was on a stage but i don't know if if this movie is this way for you but for me um the scenes here in the mansion in the o'connell house uh are, the look and the texture of the lighting are what I think of when I think of this movie. Um, it, f- I, f- I think it feels kind of like that time period. Like we're in the forties. It feels like forties lighting at the like. I think it's supposed to be mid thirties. Mid thirties, like thirty six. Yeah, same thing. Um, but yeah, it, it everything has like kind of like a, a woody kind of like golden texture to it, mm-hmm. and it's it's what I picture when I think of this movie. Um, anyway, we get more exposition. Uh, we learn. We, we get a reiteration of the the Audeth Bay uh, narration about the Scorpion King. Yeah. Uh, Evie wants to track him down. Fabulous dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get a cute beat here where she like launches herself off a bookcase, and then her husband just like casually catches her because mm-hmm. apparently they have that kind of dynamic. But it's it's a cute moment because it, it happens so effortlessly. It's like, yep, we love each other. It, it needs to be said they 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 That's match the up. Yeah, they match up pretty well in this movie, and then we we get a like a big put a pin in it moment here where Brendan Fraser says, "If anything ever happened to you, I would never forgive myself." Yeah, it's like watching watching this as an adult. Like as a kid, you don't notice that, no. but as an adult, you're like, <laughs> "She's dead. She's so gonna die." <laughs> that lady is so dead. When De Jesus and uh, Leviathan is like, "Man, when I get out of here, I'm gonna go skiing." I'm like, "You're not making it out of here, buddy." Yeah, nope. that's like the. 
That's like the guy in the chopper in a Vietnam movie saying, like, I can't wait to get back to, like, Fenwick Park or something. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get to Fenwick Park to my kids. Like, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, your wife is gonna be taking your son for hot dogs for two. Because yeah. you are not making it <laughs> like, back. Never make plans for the future. In if a, you're in a, in a dangerous situation. In, in a movie with a body count, never make plans for the future. <laughs> if you have a... If you or, have a don't verbalize. Don't verbalize. Like, <laughs> if you have a job contract for six months on a freighter or something like that, and you're like, oh, one week left, I can't wait to get home, Like, don't say a word because you're going to drown if you say it out loud. Yeah, that, that to all you folks out there, that should be your excuse for why you're antisocial. Yep. And just be like, so what's your story? It's like, I ain't telling you shit. I'm not shit. telling you shit. <laughs> it's like, I've seen this movie. <laughs> I ain't going to die. I'm not dying. I'm not dying today. No. <laughs> I'm going to be LL Cool J the end of Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm going to get back, have a chance. Cheeseburger. They're not. It's like, you know that Saffron Burroughs lady? She had a backstory. That's why she's dead. <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the kid puts on the bracelet. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is like the major plot catalyst that gets the movie rolling. Um, he has a vision of all these different like tourist trap look- <laughs> yeah. locations in yeah. Egypt. Uh, it's like the pyramids and the city of Karnak and stuff like that. It's, it's like... I'm trying to think. It's it's almost like 2001. Like we even get a, like a head-on shot of him going, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> zooming around Egypt, um, and then uh, we get introduced to Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan's back. Uh, he's just been like pretty much just crushing it uh, as far as uh, ladies go because he's got a he's got a busty gal he met someplace. Pretty sure she's married. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there's a nice offhand bit of dialogue where he mentions like how much money she has, and she's like, "Why do you think I'm here?" He's like, "How much money?" He's like, "Did I mention I'm rich?" He's like, "You think I'm doing here, dude?" <laughs> I mean, he's not a bad looking dude, but yeah, we know why you're there. Um, but yeah, he's about to uh, he's about to crush it. Uh, he gets accosted before he can even uh, before he can even close. And yeah, he's so this was one of the stupider points of the movie. He has this um, this spear. He doesn't know it's a spear. I'm sorry. It's, uh, I'd say about two, two and a half foot, um... Uh, and take back one, Kadam, <laughs> to honor the Hebrew god. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a thick gold stick. That it's it, a scepter. It's a scepter, yes. Uh, well, yeah. For now, it's a scepter. For practical purposes, it's a scepter for now. Oh my gosh, it's the dumbest thing. This, uh, this is one of those, like, in plain sight plot devices that it's... Whoever wrote this probably was patting themselves on the back the whole time. It's... I get what you're. I know what you're know trying what you're to doing, do. Yeah. I know what you're trying to do, but um, it, it, it's kind of clever. Mm. basically this this thing that he's casually carrying throughout the whole movie is the most important it's, plot device in it, the whole thing. It is the most important thing in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's carrying this around, and he gets taken by um, ma, 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 what's his name in the movie? Hafez <laughs> or Okna. 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 Uh, he gets taken by his men, and he's uh, being interrogated by uh, the villain of the movie. Yeah, we have all the central villains, all three of them. The subsidiary, the subsidiary villains. And the, there's one guy, Kyle. Um, that I don't know his name. I don't think he he never. I know exactly who you're talking about. He's the little squirrely yeah. guy. He's in the room. Yeah, he has a couple of moments, and he's the one that gets. He has some with... great moments in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's a running gag with this guy where he he's a, like a generic just thug in the background of a lot of scenes. He's yeah. visually distinctive, so your eye your eye latches onto him, 
True what? Lies. The guy from he reminds me of the guy from True Lies. Oh, the the, the main villain, the nerd. No, the, oh, the nerd guy. Oh, I think that guy. He's in the Scorpion King. The the yeah, yeah, the yeah, side yeah. dude from the Scorpion. I think he directed the Men Who Stare at Goats. Did he really? I think so. I like that movie. It's Some not, people hate it. I don't know why. It's really good. I haven't seen it, but I remember the marketing for it was really strong. It, um, and it, the cast is fantastic. I mean, Kevin Spacey is a shit heel in that movie. <laughs> I mean, that's it, what you hire him for. I love George Clooney in that movie. No, it, it looked really good. I want. I still Grant, want to see that. Grant Hesloff, yeah, that he directed that. No shit. He was in Congo. Uh, he he gets a he gets one of the deaths that actually scared me when I was a kid. There's a couple of moments in Congo that scared me. There's him dying because he he comes running through the jungle, and he's like in a in a panic, and then he dies of fright. Like, just, they lay him down on the ground trying to calm him down, and he just dies of fright. And I remember that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And then, uh, I, I looked away when, uh, Tim, Tim Curry buys it at the end of that movie. Mm. And then my mom, like, teased me afterwards, and she was like, they didn't show you anything. <laughs> she was like, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't miss, miss anything. anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> but his head gets crunched at the end of that movie. Gross. But Grant Hesloff, you said? Grant Hesloff, yeah. Yeah, I can That's see. That's not him. <laughs> I can see why he would remind you of him. He has similar facial structure. But this guy jumps out at you. But with, the running gag with him is that he's just a generic guy. With your eyes drawn to him. Your eyes drawn to him. He also has, like, a couple of, like, Mauser pistols that, you know, it's like the Han Solo gun, but, like, unmodified. So mm-hmm. he he's visually distinctive. But he does nothing. His his running gag is that you keep expecting him to die, and then he just doesn't. Yeah. And then when he finally dies, it's very satisfying. He's like Ike and Tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's good times. Oh man, are you talking about uh, the guy from Avatar? Law Dog. Is that him? Yeah. I didn't realize that was him. I I can't remember his name right now, but um, he was fatter. Like, he was fatter in Tomb. Everybody was fatter. Billy Bob Thornton was fat in that movie. Um, that's crazy. He was a lot fatter and on Deadly Ground. <laughs> law dog, law don't go. Yeah, you spend the there. entire movie wanting him to die. Oh, and it never happens. So bad. Never fucking happens. Yeah. Anyway, um, no payout. But yeah, they're they're accosting Jonathan. Uh, Anuk Moon walks into the room with an asp. It's very I, it's very clearly a rubber snake. I appreciate his game, dude. He is still he's like knife to his throat. Not like he's just kind of like I've been in this situation before. Uh, he he's, like, he's still making passes he's at still her. Making passes. Dude. He's still making passes at her. And even more important though, they think he's Rick O'Connell, yeah. and he he plays along. Wow. He's he like, man, Jonathan, you're cool under pressure. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's, he's like they mentioned in the first movie, he's a scoundrel. He's a, he's a rap scallion. So, yeah. Well, he does mention that like he, he was rich, but all of his, his fortune got taken away by un, like seedy people, yeah. unseemly folk. Unscrupulous characters. Yeah, it's like, how did you get involved with those people, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan? <laughs> like, maybe you're to blame. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Adewale makes his entrance. Uh, he encounters uh, Rachel Weisz and her child. He is there for the bracelet, and he gets a great fucking interest. He, he gives a Bear Lugosi good evening. Good evening. <laughs> I'm looking for the chest, of yeah. course. Give it to me now. <laughs> yeah, give it to me now. Give it to me now. Um, and then <laughs> fucking... Um, our dead, our, our death bay. Our death bay. I, I needed to write down the fucking names of these people. Uh, he just walks in out of fucking the the first movie. He just literally mm-hmm. is in the desert, and then he walks in from the first movie. Like how the f- like she asks, he's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "Explanations are best kept for later." He never explains it. I think he was living in the fucking attic, like Gary Busey. <laughs> 
He's just living I up. Think, I think more appropriately, like, crawl space under the stairs. I think he's doing, like, uh, like he, he wears all black and he has black long hair. So I think what he's doing is he's just kind of living in the shadows, like... <laughs> Like, people are walking at night, and he's just, like, turning around. and uh, Doing like his Egyptian ninja routine. Yeah, he's doing, like, he's just kind of ninjaing around. And putting, like, Bracing himself up in the ceiling rafters. He's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator, like, swinging across and then, like, holding on to the tree. Yeah. For eight years. <laughs> he's just been doing that. He's like, I mean, even beyond that, we're in London now. <laughs> what are you doing on this... It, on this continent. <laughs> By the way, great meat pie that you made. What? <laughs> I'm here for the hummus. Oh, I'm here for the hummus. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to get down to some fighting in here. Oh yeah, big fight. Uh, there's a bubble bath drawn. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, that, that'll come up. Maybe Jonathan. But he was out at the club, though. I, f- I feel like that was maybe easy. Planning ahead. I mean, that'd be, that'd be cold by now. But anyway, um, so they're about to... So, uh, Anoxuna Moon has a snake. It's a, an, Egypt, an, an Egyptian asp. Yeah. Which is crazy poisonous. Oh, yeah. Almost as poisonous as the Black Mamba. Um, the... Uh, and by the way, that's one of the coolest scenes ever. Daryl Hannah with... Uh, she's like... She's got her little notepad explaining to Michael Metz and how he's going to die. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, she has this this snake, and they're about to fucking kill him, which is... He has it. He probably has it coming at this point. Uh, <laughs> Brendan Fraser walks in. Yeah. It's such a good moment to walk in, because, like, no context. You walk in, and I'm like, he's about to come, because he's got he's got a knife to his neck, and a, and a hot lady's got a snake up to his throat. <laughs> And he just walks in. He's like, I thought I said no more wild parties. <laughs> <laughs> That's the appropriate response. Oh, uh, what's going on in here? Yeah, he walked in on, uh, was it David Carradine? I, honestly, <laughs> if I, like, if you walk in and you take that in for a second, like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah, walking, it's like, uh, 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 walking in on somebody on the toilet or something. Put a fucking like, sock on the door. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they're not here for fun. Uh, yeah. And he basically reveals himself to be uh, the person they're looking for. And she just throws a fucking snake at him. Yeah, this was this was a great way to start the action. Mm-hmm. Um, in my notes, I wrote he uh, he Jack Burton's them. He he looks at the snake, <laughs> to identify it as if you wouldn't just be like no, that, smacking that, your head. All credit to Brendan Fraser. Um, even in the first movie, you can tell he put some time in uh, handling the weapons. Oh yeah, because uh, like I said, I have a thing about acting performances and hands. And he has very educated hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he handles the weapons in both both mummy movies. We don't talk about the third mummy movie. <laughs> I've seen it. We I, don't talk about it. Yeah, I've seen it too. And Oof. yeah, we do not talk about the mummy, the tomb of the dragon emperor. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, the way he handles the weapons and this this brief little moment where he handles the snake. Like we get him catching what is very likely a rubber snake but then we get a scene that's very clearly him holding a real snake and he does this trick with his wrist where he like flips its head around yeah. so it it can't look anywhere but directly at him yeah. you know because it's its weapon is its mouth so if you control the mouth you control the, the weapon his best move in this is the knife well that's why i say he jack burton's them because it's all in the reflexes yeah. <laughs> they throw a snake at him he catches it effortlessly and just kind of like tosses it back at them 
follow up is they throw a knife and he does the same fucking trick. They needed him in they needed him in trench warfare because he would have been awesome. <laughs> Just catching grenades, tossing them yeah. back, throwing clips, catching clips, clip. Yeah, he would have been Just awesome. Just be like running up and down the trenches, throwing shit out, <laughs> throwing shit out of there. But yeah, he throws a knife, and we get a, a funny moment with the Grant Hesloff-looking guy where he he goes, "Oh!" <laughs> and then he ducks, and the knife goes into the guy behind him instead. Uh, I think something that's underrated for Stephen Sommers is the comedy in these two movies. Yeah, like, yeah, it's very good. Like, well, Deep Rising. Yeah, Deep Rising, I think, is better than this. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. I, would I say think so. I think it's more cohesive. It's more cohesive. I think this is more fun than Deep Rising, but I think Deep this Rising one, is the This better. one reaches too far. It tries to do one too many things. Deep Rising knows what the fuck it is. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you don't think Deep Rising is reaching a little bit? <laughs> no, I mean, this one has, like, Evie dying and coming back. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, And then all the drama with Anakusuna Moon, which, to be fair, is actually kind of well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but Deep Rising has its tongue firmly planted in its cheek from, from moment one to the end. In a, if they wrote it differently, the two of them feuding would be better. Like them, I like the, the their West, exchanges. West Studi and Treat Williams in Deep Rising. Yeah, I like, I like that relationship. It's yeah. fun. Where it's like it's two people that are grudgingly working together. Yeah, and it it, it lends works. it it lends it some good energy. And yeah, Stephen Summers, like he's accused for you know being that kind of like gun for hire type director, but. I mean, he makes he makes light, fun action stuff. Yeah, um, I feel like Deep Rising was him probably at his best. The Mummy is maybe better, to be honest. But GI Joe is an example of again reaching too far, uh, relying too heavily on special effects to tell the story. And then the worst part about that GI Joe Rise of Cobra is it's deeply unfunny. I didn't see it. Yeah. It it tries to be funny like this, but the None of the performances just have that charm to it. None of it just none of it's as fun as it it it's trying to be. Gotcha. Um, but you can tell that's like that's his wheelhouse. That's what he likes to try to do. He yeah, likes to have stuff. fun while he's blowing shit up. Because even in that GI Joe movie, some of the violence and the like the pyrotechnics, it's like, oh fuck, that guy just got killed. The fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's it's presented as a cartoon. Um, but yeah, this is a big fight scene, and uh, this is where we start to see the 2001 aspect of this movie uh, because the fight choreography here um crouching tiger hidden dragon came out in the year 2000 in the states um the matrix came out in 1999 kung fu was very much in mm-hmm. um very elaborately choreographed like lavish choreography was really 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 in not only that um having the actors do do a lot of the work themselves was also a thing that we were really trying to push in hollywood and every action beat in this movie is guilty of that. Well, Rachel Weisz is doing the fighting. Rachel Weisz acquits herself, I think, better than almost anyone else. She's fantastic. Like I was, I was thinking back to the choreography. I'm like, she does a great job. She does. Uh, Brandon Fraser looks a little uncomfortable with some of it, to be honest. His fight with uh, Arnold Vosloo at the end. Yeah, uh, he uh, he's a little stiff. He looks a little uncomfortable. He does well with the guns. Mm-hmm. He does great with the guns, but the fist, the fisticuffs, not so much. But um, first, he's kind of a big. He he he's he's tall. Kind of he's guy. big. He's yeah, he's big. a big guy. He's more of like a, an Arnold knock people out with one punch. Like Arnold's not boxing. He's not fighting. He's just knocking your teeth out real quick. With no, one there's punch. a reason they have that edit in Commando where it's him throwing the same backhand like twenty times in a row. <laughs> all he needs. <laughs> it's because it's like that's all we filmed because it would be. 
too exhausting for him to like lift his arm in that way that many times. Oak trees don't need to be technical. They just need to throw the weight. Exactly. And yeah, I, I've got the sense that Brendan Fraser wasn't terribly comfortable with it. But we get all the, the action tropes of the day. We get overly elaborate choreography, some cartwheels and backflips from Rachel Weisz for <laughs> yeah. no reason. That, as we said, she kind of like explains away by like her, her past life yeah. is somehow on top of her real life now. She was a princess warrior in her former life. Uh, we get lots of banter during the fighting because that was a thing. You got a banter, dude. Uh, I can't stand that. I know. But that's that was that's what we did in like family friendly action movies. That's the best you can do is give me like more strong eye contact in a fight. That's generally what you want. Well, I mean, either that or you do it like the Princess Bride or something where that is the content of the scene mm-hmm. it's not it's not the blows being exchanged it's the dialogue it's dialogue it's, yeah. it's done in a very stagey way um needs to be said that 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 first major fight scene the sword fight in the princess bride is oh. it's quite good <laughs> i just watched it not too long ago it's it's very uh, old hollywood and they did they put some fucking time in for I'm, sure i'm probably do for a rewatch here um but another thing that like the editing style of these action scenes always bothers me is a. Uh, <laughs> I always bring up Cradle to the Grave <laughs> whenever I think of this. Pool ball. Cradle to the Grave was DMX and Jet Li. Was that the pool ball kick to the to the head? Uh, I think that was Kiss of the Dragon. Okay. Um, no, Cradle to the Grave. Um, almost every action scene in it is actually three action scenes happening parallel to one another. Okay. And we keep cutting back and forth between all of them, thereby robbing each of them of, of the energy and the drama that they need to work. Yeah. And in this, the the note I wrote was that everybody needs something to do. Yeah. So it's like, we need to show Brendan Fraser hiding in the bathroom, being shot at. Uh, we need to have Jonathan hiding and like jumping out a window at the end. Uh, the kid has to wrestle with somebody over the case yeah. that they think the bracelet is in. Wrestling this fucking kid. The kid has to push a bookcase over. Rachel Weiss has to do a backflip. Our death bay has to fight a whole bunch of people. So yeah. the point is, we have all these moving hero parts, characters. Yeah. We have all these moving parts, and it's more out of obligation that we need to make sure all of them are doing something. But I'm fine with it though. Like it doesn't. I'm it... fine with the kid hiding under a goddamn table. Yeah. Like I don't need to see him grappling with somebody. While I could be watching Ardeth Bay having an epic sword fight, I do appreciate it because Rachel Vice was definitely kidnapped, like not kidnapped, but they do take her at one point. Like she goes willingly. She does, and she gets kidnapped here, but uh, she also holds her own for the most. Like she's holding her own for the most part. Yeah, I mean they they explain away her ability to fight by saying that like not only did my husband teach me a thing or two i also apparently have magic egypt powers yeah. um but yeah the long story short Ardeth bay kind of gets his ass whipped yeah although uh Lokma has a cool moment he has a really cool entrance into the fight where he hangs the fuck back yeah he just like pops he's his just shirt like, off <laughs> that's what happens is he's like he's like what's in the chest she's like the lovers! <laughs> and, and his eyes just go wide and they start they start going at it yeah, that's why we're fighting over the case because yeah. nobody knows. Nobody knows that the kid put the bracelet on. Yeah, and he can't take it off. By the way, yeah, he can't take it off. It's stuck onto his little tiny hand, which doesn't make any fucking sense because it was on the uh, rock. The rock, <laughs> like not just the rock, two thousand one rock, which was kind of like chunky rock. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's still like, like 
Deca and D-Ball, like, he's still on cycles at this point. Like, <laughs> I mean, The Rock went through many phases just in his wrestling career, but um, there was, like, I think it was 2003 Rock was Hollywood Rock, mm-hmm. and that was when he was slimmed down. Yeah. Uh, because Hollywood, that's what happens. No abs, but still the size of a goddamn linebacker. Well, that was when he started doing kip-ups, uh, because he could. <laughs> but in 2001, I don't oh. think that was kip-up Rock. That was, like... That was like chunky natural Samoan rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, uh, what comes of the scene is, like you said, Evie gets kidnapped. Yeah. And all the heroes are reunited at this point. And now uh, we do kind of a, a clever thing with the writing here where it's like, we just got to fucking go. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, who was that guy? And the kid's like, oh, I recognized him. That's the, that's the, the guy. He's yeah. the oh, Fuck this yeah, kid. I hate kid. this kid. Um, and then thankfully we have Ardeth Bay around to exp- to like hammer out all the rough edges of our, our understanding of the situation. So, yeah, a bit so without skipping a beat, everybody's on the same page and we know what we have to do and where we need to be. We got to go to the museum. Yeah, we need to get armed, go to the museum. Um, we kind of piece it together pretty easily that... Uh, well, Ardeth Bay pieces it together pretty easily. Everyone else is kind of in the dark about this, but Ardeth Bay explains that uh, the plan is uh, using the bracelet, they'll resurrect the Scorpion King, and if you defeat him, you can jack the army of Anubis from him. Yeah. Um, but if you don't defeat him, uh, he just has the army and he can wipe wipe out everyone on Earth or whatever. Basically, there's no good scenario with this. Yeah, and so the plan is uh, Imhotep is apparently the only one tough enough that we know of that can handle the scorpion king so the plan is to bring him back uh so we can take him out it's very much like a godzilla movie where it's like let's weaponize godzilla and just direct him towards the thing we want eliminated correct yeah uh so yeah uh, we get some gun porn here uh where was it o'connell uh, mr rick uh, opens the trunk of his car there's a shit ton of guns in there because american <laughs> um he and Ardeth Bay have an exchange. Uh, Ardeth Bay, it needs to be said, uh, makes use of a Tommy gun throughout this whole movie uh, to great effect. <laughs> they have good chemistry, too. That, that's the one thing that I noticed in that first movie, is that they kind of at first don't like each other. And there's a few scenes in there. Do you remember in the first one where he uses um, Ardeth Bay's uh, beard to light a match? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And he just... He just kind of looks over at him like, look, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> no, they play off each other well. Yeah. And I think it, it means a lot to have Brendan Fraser be not only like have the physical presence to be like the action guy, but mostly have gotten there via like comedic acting chops. Mm-hmm. Although he did like what that school days movie or whatever, where the, I think that was the title of it. Basically, he plays a Jewish guy that goes to like a largely waspy prep school. And that's the entire plot of the movie is that they don't want him there, so they give him a hard time. It's it's one of those those school dramas that were really big in the nineties, yeah. thanks to Dead Poet Society and stuff. Um, Brendan Fraser's just great. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we arm up, and uh, Ardeth Bay happens to notice the tattoo on Brendan Fraser's wrist, and uh, they have a little exchange here. I I don't remember exactly what's said. He's like. Um, he tells him he's like, yeah, that's a that's a magi thing. Oh, he tells him later. He's like, you're a magi. Uh, you yeah, embrace it. You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, you're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
needs to be said here the the eye lighting on Ardeth Bay somebody somebody in the lighting department or the DP was just like we need to make this handsome man even more handsome yeah <laughs> he, like, does, he steals the screen yeah yeah every time it's like fuck and then we get the cult meeting at the museum yes this is great uh <laughs> this is one of my favorite sequences in the movie um and I remember it pretty vividly uh what is what does he say so they get to the museum and they have they're in like the the Indiana Jones warehouse where he keeps everything and they move the crates aside yeah, basically where the, where the top men work yeah and they're like we don't have time to fly someplace else we have to do this here and he like they're like looking through the window and he's just like what the fuck is happening here they got torches all around there's people chanting and... also it's not a very well kept warehouse either because there's like water puddles everywhere <laughs> So it's not exactly, like, airtight. No. You don't want to put your antiquities in there. No. <laughs> like, mold up the ass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a whole bunch of, like, cultists uh, wearing red robes and stuff. Uh, Lachanaz there. He's got his shirt off because, I mean, he's packing. Like, yeah. You gotta, you gotta bust you that gotta shit out. You gotta pop that shirt yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it may as well. Um, and then the funny thing that I noticed here was that uh, Mr. Hafez is wearing a suit because mm-hmm. he wants to be, like... Dressed to the nines for Imhotep's big entrance. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. He wants to look good for his future boss. Um, but he's reading from the Book of the Dead, but oh. he's not reading it from a podium. He's reading it from a man who's crouching and holding it on his back. Yeah, I did catch that. I remember that. So they're kind of piecing it together. And like, they are, they're going to use her, I think they're going to use her as a sacrifice again, or is she just being held against her will? Well, they have that thing that they, they redo here like half an hour from now in the movie where uh, whoever disturbs Imhotep's stuff, mm-hmm. uh, if he takes their essence, he can restore himself to power. Which I'm assuming is in the original Mummy with uh, Boris Karloff, but I, I don't know. I almost watched it one night. I'm probably going to hear in about a week because it's starting to get into Halloween time. I don't remember the the precise details of that movie. I saw it when I was very young. Mm. Um, mostly I just remember that the, the iconic, like, rag covered like bandage covered mummy is only in like the opening minutes of the it, movie it very, i wouldn't have i wouldn't have guessed that but when i like went back i'm like oh boris karloff's playing emotep I'm like oh like they're kind of doing the regeneration thing yeah and in the later mummy movies the universal mummy movies i think they even change mummies it's mm. no longer emotep is now karis i think yeah, you're not getting boris karloff for a sequel but uh, i think it may have still been him but the point is uh, he's not the mummy yeah. throughout most of that movie he's actually just an old man with a fez uh I, <laughs> so they're they're doing this they're bringing him back clearly and um lachna is kind of like dude this is some, some twisted shit the mr hafez he is this is his this is his shining moment he is he is committed to this he is yelling at the top of his lungs it's a great delivery, honestly. It's it's fantastic. No, he's feeling it. it. He believes everything that he's saying here. I remember watching this as a kid, and I'm like, wow, this is like... It was a creepy scene. Like, he's really, really doing it. I, I didn't rewatch it. How is it still? Like, is it still... It's it's well done. Um, Alan Silvestri, I think, did the music for this movie. I think so, yeah. And uh, I think he topped himself actually over the the first mummy movie some of the the action beats in this movie have incredible music 
but it's also to its detriment in some ways because the music's better than what's happening on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, like, you know the, the theme music I'm talking about. It plays every time the heroes are doing something cool. Um, basically, the bus, uh, the long grass. Yeah, the bus and the long grass, basically. Um, but yeah, uh, Imhotep uh, comes back to life. His uh, amber casing explodes, and he just like marches into the room. Like he he picked up right where he left yeah, off. Yeah, no, he doesn't skip a fucking beat. He just like speed walks right up into the camera, full CGI mummy. Doesn't look great. <laughs> I appreciate that we're we're not like beating. We're not like taking time to like oh like nurse him back. Like what's happening? No, no, no. He comes out the gate. Yeah, no, he comes right out the gate. He stomps around the room and he looks around and he, his first question is, "What year is it?" Like, how long have I been dead? <laughs> and I'm I'm guessing he's pretty surprised to hear it's like, oh, it hasn't been that long. He's like, oh, cool. <laughs> no, Mr. Hafez tells him, it's, it is the year of the scorpion. <laughs> and he's like, his reaction is actually like, huh? yeah. <laughs> like great. He's like, oh, it's on. So he, so he knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, even before he's talked with the people who brought him back, like, he, he knows what the plan is, like, why he's back. I noticed in your notes you have a line that... <laughs> It's so good. I'm glad you get to <laughs> Thank you for, for her, noticing that. Her delivery on that line is it's great. It's terrible. Um, they pretty much get a fifth element thing going on here when uh, Gary, uh, Gary Oldman goes back to get the uh, the stones. The stones. And, and <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know why they wouldn't check to see if the bracelet was in the box. It's not in the box. It's not on the in, box. It's not in the box. Um, yeah. Uh, Ariwale... And uh, Mr. Hafez, they have a very unfortunate moment where they uh, they like use some acid to open the, the oh. bracelet case, and they find like a, a statuette of some sort. It's very embarrassing for both of them. Very embarrassing. Like, been, he's been doing a really good job of getting things together. Like this is this is like you have a big presentation to do for your boss. We have clients coming in. You need to do this presentation. And like, yeah, I've got my stuff right here. And you open up your thing with your post your your poster board. And it's like not there. Like oh. Fuck, dude. It's yeah, it, it, it's like you know, you you open up your Google Drive and something, and it's been like, it just crashes or your internet connection's down. It's like the Japanese are coming. <laughs> it's like they're gonna be here in five minutes. <laughs> um, very ass puckery kind of moment. Um, in the meantime, though, they uh, in- reintroduce Anuksuna Moon to uh, Mr. Hotep. Uh, we get a very ambitious CGI shot. Ambitious, not terrible, but overly ambitious shot where basically Imhotep like walks all the way around her and it's all without edits I'm guessing the animators had a fucking field day with that uh, because that's all like stuff that you don't want to do like because I mean you have like all these light sources bouncing off the room you have this character moving through space and like behind objects and Mm. inter interacting with objects so like he touches her face at one point like as an animator that must have just been a fucking nightmare well i think the creature cgi that they used in the first one was still pretty good i remember re-watching that first one like it's, it looks pretty good for the time especially they made very very good use of shadows mm. uh, because when we first see the mummy in in proper he's in he's in the tombs yeah everything's in darkness and like we don't see him in daylight too often so there's a reason why some of the more awkward shots of him are when he's just like hanging out in a normal lighting situation like uh when they when they uh present when benny introduces him to the guy who he took the the tongue, the tongue in the eyes, eyes yeah and when he takes off his mask and he has this like wonky face yeah that's kind of a yeah. wonky shot yeah um but yeah uh, the plan is he uh mr hotep sees evie 
And he has a reaction to that. <laughs> He's like, fuck that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the line from Anuxuna Moon. And do you want to try your best to match the delivery? I'll let you do it. I feel like you want to because you have it written as a note. So... Imhotep, when he's in mummy form, in in both movies, uh, they do some voice modulation with him that's kind of cool. Yeah. It makes him sound like all big and like epic monster, you mm-hmm. know. And he had, he's speaking ancient Egyptian, so it makes him even more intimidating. And he points to Evie and is like, blah, 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 and then subtitles say like, burn her. And then Anuk Moon just like looks at him and then looks towards the people and says, burn her. It's <laughs> one word. It's burner <laughs> it's just the delivery is so it's really bad it's like did you even fucking try lady no. burner burn yeah three movies you gotta try and then oh damn action yeah. <laughs> and then the, we yeah it turns into a, a straight up gunfight um uh I'm surprised Emotep doesn't try to do more. He kind of... He's kind of funny here because... So we have our Death Bay posted up on a balcony just spraying fucking Tommy gun bullets into this crowd. Just like willy-nilly. Just everybody's got to die. He's like, I don't care who these people are. I don't care if they got kids or wives or whatever. They all did. And then Brendan Fraser like jumps over this fire and retrieves his wife. He's running around with a shotgun, just blasting fools left and right. There's a cool gag in here where someone gets yanked on a wire when he shoots them with the shotgun. Mm. So, I mean, the shotgun in the video game world at this point in time was king. It's like, if if you get close to something with a shotgun in a video game from, like, the, the 90s through the early 2000s, the expectation is it will go boom. Yeah. And this translated to movies, too. So, like, if you have a big shotgun... And you shoot someone at close range, they have to go flying the fuck back. Yeah. Makes no sense in, in physical reality, but it, it was just the expectation. It was the style at the time. Um, but yeah, what Imhotep does here is he's he's getting shot every once in a while. He's catching bullets, but he doesn't give a shit. He's just like... Yeah, it does he, not bother him Yeah, at all. he's like looking around and he's like, what, what can I do here? He's like Terminator, basically. He's like, and just we coming. get this funny-ass shot where he like walks away from the camera and he like pushes two people out of his way. Like, get the fuck out of yeah. here. <laughs> Let and, me do it. <laughs> and then he gets the, the... I think they're the Magi, are they not? Uh, I think they're like... They could be Magi, but I was thinking of them as like palace guards or something. Yeah. Uh, it's the same. It's literally the same mummies from the conclusion of the first movie. Yeah, and he he pulls out his urn of stuff, says some sort of incantation, and boom, we get a new action scene where we're running away from the uh, from the uh, museum. Yeah, and Nehibut uh, Setna. Nehibut Setna. Yeah. However, that's pronounced. That's I know that I know that line by heart because Imhotep says it countless times in both these movies. Uh, yeah, now we have to get into the uh, double-decker bus, because the key broke in the car? Yeah, uh, during all this action stuff, Jonathan and Alex, the boy, uh, they uh, they were left in the car out front. Mm. And the idea was watch the car, because this is an action scene that's going to involve a lot of guns. Neither of you have a place here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we keep cutting back, and again, this is an example of that editing style that I don't like, where during the action we keep cutting back to Jonathan and Alex futzing around in the car and jonathan panics when he hears the gunfire and he breaks the key in the ignition or something yeah uh so somehow he magically steals a double double decker bus and uh we get that piece of music that i i mentioned mm. i think it's actually called my first bus ride <laughs> 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 which is a good title for a track of music do you not like this line 
I don't. I love it. I love his delivery is so good. What's the line, Kyle? Oh, I hate mummies. <laughs> it's such a good delivery. I don't like it because it's like, it's it's painfully unclever. If this is if you get one fuck in this movie, I'm think this would have been the time. Oh, I fucking hate mummies. Like so. I, I think this was before we were doing that in PG-13 movies. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, actually, I think that would have punched it up quite a bit. It's like, oh, I fucking get, like make it a juicy like, like a give it that suction effect. Like, yeah, fuck, <laughs> fucking, fucking hate, hate mummies. mummies. <laughs> and Art of the Bay is like, oh, wow. <laughs> so this sequence I like to call the video game sequence, where this is I don't know if there I'm assuming there was a video game around this time for PlayStation, because uh, this scene is very much first person shooter uh, starting off where. Um, it's kind of creepy. They're in the bus and they're like driving down uh, foggy London town and completely empty, by the way, completely empty. And (laughs) Oh, it's nighttime. Not a soul in sight. Uh, And these things are, are giving chase and they start shooting at them from the, uh, from the back of the bus. And then they start running up on the, on the buildings and stuff. And it feels very much like you would be in the back, your first person shooter. Like, you know, it kind of, it's like the house of the dead or the, the lost world arcade game. Yeah. Or like Lethal Enforcers or something. It's like one of those light gun games. Where the gun kind of moves for a second and then it gives you the control. And then yeah. you can you get your first person shooter. First person shooter. Yeah, and then the screen flashes to tell you like you shoot this flashing red thing, otherwise yeah. you'll take damage. Uh so yeah, they, they're you know, shooting at the mummies, they're chasing how do they get the little kid? That's why I don't remember. Oh, uh, that happens at the end of the scene. Um it <laughs> in my notes I wrote uh chain reaction mm-hmm. there's a drawbridge that goes up yeah <laughs> um although i think it's it's much more intricate in chain reaction because that is the scene the job the drawbridge going up in this case it's just the conclusion of the scene but yeah this this double decker bus sequence goes on for quite a while uh it's another example of a lot of things happening concurrently so we have uh rick on the second level fighting a mummy ardith bay on the bottom level of the bus fighting a mummy uh, the choreography is pretty simple, but I was telling you off air that it's very distracting that uh, a lot of the mummy effects that these two guys are fighting with here are CGI. Yeah. When really at the end of the day, you're they they clearly built like a mummy suit. It's yeah. in many shots of the film, um, but so many of the shots are covered in like this CGI effect that. I feel don't need to be no like not at all it doesn't make it look better it makes it look a lot worse it, it makes it especially there's there's one where Brendan Fraser's like getting choked by one and he's like punching. when he punches it yeah. you can tell there's no contact there. It, it's really bad yeah um, I, I mean the the one gag where he, he eye gouges the yeah. one that's cute yeah. I like that but there's I don't know the the music is a lot more energetic than what we're actually seeing on the screen oh my god I forgot about this line I'm looking at you next <laughs> I forgot about some of these lines but yeah the it's funny the the stuff on the outside of the bus when uh, the mummies are chasing them along the walls of the buildings and stuff it, like thinking about it for just a minute like it didn't occur to me when I was watching it but it's like huh Steven Summers has tried this gag a couple of times like I feel like G.I. Joe for sure had that because they had these things called accelerator suits it's basically that it allows people to move like mummies <laughs> and then like Van Helsing I seem to remember a lot of action done in that style I couldn't get past the first five minutes of that movie van helsing is terrible although it is kind of enjoyable i'll um, watch it it's terrible but it it has that deep rising vibe to it where it's like this is a dumb fucking movie i'm gonna have to watch it's it. dialed up to 11 in terms of dumb though and 
Benny's in it. Yeah. KJOC's in it. KJOC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the conclusion of the scene is they, they go through a, a like a, a bridge or something, and the top half of the bus gets like smashed, and uh, we get a, a mummy splatted on the, the wall of the bridge. Yeah, it's very that. Looney Tunes style. Yeah. Uh, needs to be said, Rick should be dead. <laughs> like, he should be like double dead he here. should have been dead a lot yeah um but yeah the way they get alex is like they're just having a conversation out outside the bus and the kid's like still on the bus and then just some cultist like very casually walks onto the bus just and, just, grabs him. and just grabs him and then they they move the drawbridge and then brendan fraser tries to run up it and he can't get over it because it's the fastest drawbridge in history um but what was the line that you you caught here in my notes like, this was my First bus ride. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I'm pretty sure that that's what the piece of music, where the title comes from, mm. my first bus ride. Uh, so yeah, they steal the kid, and uh, oh, gross, I forgot about uh, Emotep uh, ends up making out with an Oxuna movie. Yeah, <laughs> we get, so we get this shared flashback thing that happens a couple times in the movie where yeah. Imhotep has Anuxuna Moon, but it's not really her, it's just a lady who is like reincarnated version of her but it's not the same essence and so he's using his powers to like transport her back to ancient times and like transpose anuk sun and moon's ancient memories onto this current age person and when that happens it seems like the like evie follows suit like whenever they're doing that she also goes back in, into the past and whatnot and we get a, a cute moment here where <laughs> she's making out with a mummy yeah um, and then we cut to the the O'Connells, and they're like also embracing each other in a similar fashion, but they both sad. Yeah, they're cause, sad because they lost a kid. So yeah, we got to head to Cairo. Did they immediately go to Izzy? I uh, I think we get it. We get Izzy teased, where Brendan Fraser <laughs> looks just past the camera. We zoom in, and he says, "I think we need a magic carpet." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like, "We need a magic carpet." Um, yeah, they the stupid Brits. Um, they were on this train, and I was thinking back to this one scene. It's really fucking disgusting, but we'll get to it mm. uh, on the train. But yeah, the uh, they're they're in in route, and the Brits are there. Yeah, they it, were they were sent to a museum to get uh, to get the chest, basically that holds Emotep's uh, organs and yeah. stuff like that. The stuff that he killed people for in the first movie. Mm-hmm. This guy's such a douchebag. Um, he's like, oh, we acquired it. We had to kill a couple of the museum guards to acquire it. Like, dude, you're a fucking loser. Seriously. Well, British Tom Sizemore. Ugh. Real Tom Sizemore would fuck this guy's world. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you just sober him up, like, a little. Just, like, slap him on the cheek a couple of times. And he'd just be like, okay, let's go. I'm gonna shoot you in your dumb fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I really think he didn't like Edward. Is it Edward Byrne? In, yeah. the, in Saving Private Ryan, Edward I don't Burns, think yeah. he really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it feels very genuine. <laughs> There's that scene where, he, like, I'm gonna shoot you because I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, that scene when when they're holding him back and he like steps forward, but he has like that kind of like smile on his face, like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, Stephen, Stephen, <laughs> shit's getting real. Stephen Colcut, <laughs> do it now, please, for everyone's sake. That kid from Brooklyn's about to get shot. <laughs> Like, and it's like we made sure to put blanks in his gun, right? There's no gun in this it's scene. Like, it's like we didn't give him a gun. Give him a gun. <laughs> he just brought it. He bent over. There's something on his ankle. <laughs> it's like he's pulling something out of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and coat drops from underneath his, his underwear. 
Well, I mean, that Sorry would, about that. Well, I mean, that would ensure that he has to shoot everyone now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we're we're on this train, and the the Brit thugs that we hired to retrieve the stuff, they're there, and uh, Imhotep has his mask on. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, though, Anuk Sunamun is like saying, like, "Oh, I'll, I'll handle this business situation," because the British guys, they're like making demands. Yeah. To the biggest, baddest people in this movie, um, they did. <laughs> they are going to be dead very shortly here. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we go into like the the caboose of <laughs> of the train, and Imhotep has like a little shrine set up. Yeah, and he's wearing his mask again that he wore whenever he was in public when he was in mummy form in the mm-hmm. first movie. And uh, they they push the kid into the room with him to like just have a little chat. Yeah. Because the thing that's going on now is that uh, the kid has this bracelet that is directing him where to go. So we're tracing a path to the oasis of Amsher. Yes. And the point is he needs to visit all these landmarks in sequence, and then the bracelet will give him new instructions. Yeah. However, his plan is like, oh, if I lead them on a wild goose chase, you know, they'll never find it, and the Scorpion King will be a non-issue. Yeah. But this is where we get introduced to this ticking clock element, where Imhotep tells him, like, did you know that, like, in seven days, if you don't find the oasis, you're dead. Yeah, the bracelet kills you. Yeah. So now the kid is forced to, like, actually tell them. Yeah. yeah, to cooperate. Which is, you know, clever stuff from a writing standpoint. Yeah. Um, I really loved Imhotep's speaking voice um, mm-hmm. in English. They yeah. do some modulation. I do not think so. Yeah, yeah and, and we get the trailer shot, yeah. like, m- probably the most iconic trailer shot. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the one where he picks him up, but that's later. Sorry. I think they sped that up in the trailer, too. They probably did. It looks kind of funky, but the, the trailer shot that I remember most is, My dog is going to kick your ass. Oh, yeah. And then Imhotep, with his mask off, says, I do not think so. I do not think so. It's good shit. <laughs> uh, they have their exchange, and uh, Noxuna Moon brings the, the three... The three idiots. Yeah, uh, this was a weird fucking edit because this sequence happens in the same location. Yeah, without it, a transition. Uh, like he he says the trailer line, the kid teleports out of the room, and then the Brits show up. <laughs> I love this. This is a fun sequence too, uh, mm-hmm. because this is another video game moment where uh, the dude's like, "Oh man, this place is cursed," and he's like, "Would you?" He's like, "Oh, this is cursed. This is cursed." Like, shut up. Like, we got a situation here. <laughs> We're locked in this room. And they have that chest that they stole in there. I don't know how they got it in there so quick. Because they, she brings them to the... I, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, um, whatever. But they're just kind of standing around. Like, this place is creepy. And then Emotep just appears out of like the ceiling. Just it's like, straight Rrr. It's straight the fuck out of House of the Dead. It, it feels very much like a video game. Like he's just like, whoop! <laughs> and this in British Tom Sizemore, his scream, ah! <laughs> it's so funny. And they just start shooting like that's gonna do something. Uh, really bad CGI when they're shooting Imhotep because he's going, yeah. <laughs> he's supposed to be like laughing as they're shooting him, but it looks like <laughs> he's having some. He's feeling himself a little too much. Yeah, he's just, just like got his wiggle. head. He's doing the Bernie, basically the Bernie dance. <laughs> Like, no joke, he's yeah. doing the wiggle. Like. Um, but yeah, so he, for some reason, disappears. And, oh, yeah, 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 she, the, the lady opens up the door, she, uh, opens up the little hole, she's like, he wants you to open the chest. She gets the lowest hanging fruit, the tall idiot. She's like, open up the chest, so he opens it, and they're like, fuck, dude, what did you do that for? And uh, he just kind of disappears, and I like this, this is kind of cool. Uh, On the ceiling? Yeah. Uh, he's like, where'd he go? And he's like, up above the tall guy, and the tall guy keeps moving around, and Emotep is just 
Locked, on the ceiling. Locked eyes oh, with him. It's, it's kind of creepy. I, yeah, I, as a kid, yeah. It worked. And then he walks down the wall right in front of him. And then we didn't see it in the first one, which was which was fine. I like the use of shadows in that first movie. Um, but he basically sucks his skin off, and we actually see it. Yeah. It. I remember thinking it was it was kind of cool at the time. I'm sure we rewatched it now. I'm like, eh, it doesn't really hold up that well. Um, but we do get one of my favorite things is where Emotep is half... Like, he, he's getting some of the skin on him. And my favorite shot from that first one was when he kills the Egyptologist, and he turns around. He's, like, in that crowd of people. And he still has, he has like, the Arnold Vosloo face, but he also has, like, patches missing yeah, from his yeah. face. And we get the same thing here, and I, I like that. I do, too, in concept, mm-hmm. not in execution. That, uh, because the big mistake they make here is what you said. I, I know what you're talking about exactly from the first Mummy movie we talked about before. And I do like it too. Only difference is that was shot at distance. Yeah, it's true. this is it's, the yeah, camera's rammed up, up his nose. Yeah, and that's not in two thousand one. That's not how you should be using computer animation. If Silence of the Lambs like close up shots where yeah. the, the head is the whole thing. No, and he's got the the Harvey Dent two face eyeball yeah. on half of his face, and the other side is mostly Arnold Vosloo, but it's all CGI. Like, yeah, there's no makeup effect. It's it's entirely a CGI figure. And and in two thousand one, we're not doing that. In no. fact. I think in like the, in like the film history books, uh, what was it? A series of unfortunate events. That was it. The Lemony Snicket movie. Yeah, I haven't seen the Jim Carrey. I haven't I think, seen it. I think that movie holds the distinction of being like the first photorealistic uh, close-up of a human face that's hmm. entirely CGI. Hmm. I don't, um, don't know. It, I think mean, it's very possible. Um, it's a child in the movie or something that there's okay. like a shot that's just just like rammed right up into the kid's face and it's entirely fake. I was I was a little lit up when I saw Rogue One in the theater. I didn't realize Grand Moff Tarkin was a fucking. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> I, didn't I watched it the second time. I'm like, I, I didn't realize it was Grand Moff Tarkin when I was watching. I was it. like, that's Peter Cushing. He did. <laughs> I, he, I must have used the restroom when he was on screen at one point, and I just didn't piece it together. I wasn't paying attention. That performance still bothers me. I can like see that. it's. It's not a bad performance. It's just I, I know what you're trying to do, and and the person who's doing his speaking voice—that's the biggest problem, yeah. if you ask me. Is that yeah, from a visual standpoint, it's pretty good. Like I can't I can't knock it for for the effort that they put forth. Like it's a solid fucking effort, but the speaking voice and the delivery—that guy's not Peter Cushing. You Peter Cushing had a very specific speech pattern. Lord Vader, release. Yeah, it's very, very specific. It's like me trying to do Werner Herzog. Like, it's... You can't. It's... It, it, only <laughs> I, like, Werner I, like, I like how your Werner Herzog is just, just like... German. <laughs> it's just generalized just German, but it's like, no. No, 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 no. 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 Werner Herzog is a very specific accent. <laughs> they didn't need to do Grandma Tarkin. Ben Mendelsohn could have carried the villain. He could have just been... He could have carried that. I know what they were trying to do with him, where he's like a middle management... <laughs> position yeah. in the empire and it's supposed to emphasize the character relationship where it's like he isn't the big looming threat but for what Jin Orso the yeah. lady yeah he's he's the big bad yeah but in the eyes of the actual the grand scheme of things he's not he's not he's a janitor yeah um so I get what they're trying to do but I I still have a lot of misgivings with that movie I feel like on paper it should be like my favorite Star Wars thing ever mm-hmm it's Outside just, it, of the original trilogy. Yeah, it, yeah. it just isn't, though. And it, it's unfortunate, because I, I like that director. I want to see what he has to offer, because that Godzilla movie is pretty fucking good. Yeah, and, and that Monsters movie, his first movie, is pretty fucking good, considering it was like shot 
on a handy cam and edit it on a laptop. <laughs> I stand by Rogue One. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get to uh, we get to meet Izzy. We get to meet Izzy. Magic Carpet Airways. Uh, he Izzy has a dirigible, but first we meet Izzy and he sees. Uh, th- this is probably one of the funnier uh, like. There's consistent comedy through this, like this whole sequence here. Like he meets him and he just he's like, Izzy, <laughs> he just starts freaking out. Like I think he shuts the door on him. Yeah, and he, <laughs> I think he ends up shooting the lock open. And then I like Izzy's little pad here. It's like he's just got a dude passed out on a table. Uh, he's just going around gathering, drawing, like nervously doing stuff. Um, it's like a wall. But there's no office. Yeah. It's just an open it's air. It's an open area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a tent with a wall in front of it. <laughs> uh, he's just going around. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's like, um, he's like, we need to hire you for the dirigible. And we can see that they have a past. Like, they've known each other for a very long time. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think where he tells Jonathan to get the bags. He's like, oh, my hands are full. <laughs> he, just, he takes the scepter from him, basically. And that ends up being the payment. He... Izzy just really gets his eye on the scepter. He's like, I want that. Oh, it's gold. It's gold. It's a yeah. big piece of gold. It's a big piece of gold. And what's funny here is that Izzy is vehemently against the idea of, of helping O'Connell yeah. because every time he hooks up with him... It's shot! I get shot! Shot in the arse! Shot in the arse! <laughs> <laughs> and so that's his major grievance with uh, O'Connell. Um, also needs to be said, O'Connell thinks he has a plane. Yeah. He does not. <laughs> he's like, what happened to the... He, Izzy's wearing an eye patch. He's like, what happened to the eyes? Like, oh, nothing. I just thought it made me look more dashing. He just craps it yeah, over it, Yeah, it, it, they have a fun relationship. And I like that when he uh, he introduces him to the dirigible, he, like, Izzy's really excited. He's yeah. like, it's so much better than the plane. And O'Connell's like, he's like, you know what? You're right, Izzy. And he's like, what? And he's like, you're going to get shot. And he pulls out his gun. <laughs> Great, like, he's about to get shot. <laughs> That's a good line. That's a good moment. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, um, uh, Ardeth Bay is not really thrilled about you know being on another motor. They've been putting him through all kinds of modes of transportation. He's been on a plane. He's been on a bus. He's been in cars. Now he's going to be on a fucking dirigible. Uh, he's like, what can't you people keep your feet on the ground? It's <laughs> uh, a good line. It's a very good line. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we now we're getting into where this is where the movie kind of slows down because now we're getting into the chase. We can we can probably gloss over quite a bit of this. Yeah. Uh, there's. Absolutely no action in this except for flashbacks. Yeah, we get some flashbacks. We should probably... So, uh, I'll just kind of give this a rundown here. So, uh, the little shit's going with uh, the mummy. And they're they're taking a train across Egypt, basically. Um, well, I was going to mention the one scene where he's like, I, ha- I have to use the bathroom. I have to use the bathroom. So, he has this, like, with um, Lakna. Lakna hates this kid. And... The kid knows it, so he's really just pushing his buttons, just really trying to Are piss him off. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. Just the Bart Simpson routine? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a real Bart Simpson, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. I like that. No, like Bart Simpson and Lisa. He's like, yeah, did, exactly. did the are we there yet? Yeah. Like, oh, well, I'm saying, like, he's annoying like Bart Simpson, but he's smart like Lisa, so it, it's literally the worst. Like, the worst. He's, he's Kevin McAllister, just British. Just annoying. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he goes to use the bathroom. And this is fucking disgusting. There's shit on the walls. Literally. There's shit on the ceiling. This isn't just. There's shit everywhere. This this is like, people have been using their hands to wipe their ass and wiping it on. We didn't need it in this. Uh, <laughs> we did not need it. But yeah, he, he ends up uh, he ends up using the toilet to escape. He's like, oh, you can just get like right out of here. And he gets off the train and not die somehow. Yeah, we get a, a goofy moment here where. We need this kid alive, by the way. Yeah, very much. Um, 
and as soon as they see him getting off the train, because he pulls like the emergency, like mm-hmm. the e brake from the bathroom. Yeah, um, I don't think trains had those back then. I'm, I'm gonna say they. Didn't. I don't know. I seriously doubt it, I especially doubt it. in the fucking toilet. Because <laughs> really, how would you know you need to pull the brake from the toilet? Yeah. Like you wouldn't be aware of what's going on outside. Yeah. But yeah, the kid runs off, and they are very conveniently at Karnak, so they yeah. were gonna stop anyway. <laughs> like seriously, we're we're where we wanted to go. Thanks yeah. for pulling the brake, kid. Yeah. Uh, he runs into the city, and then some some dudes that are posted up on top of the train start shooting at him. Yeah, it's like we need him alive. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? So like Imhotep just like rolls his eyes and he uses his telekinetic powers to just like smash them into each other. It takes way longer than need. Like these guys are trying to mow this kid down with guns. Yeah, yeah. they're not fucking around, and it takes him a minute. He's just like, "What's happening?" Oh. <laughs> it would have been way quicker like he would have he should have taken care of it much quicker but yeah um they get here and we start to get uh, evie starts having her flashbacks uh up in the dirigible yeah basically oh yeah we get the trailer shot of imhotep picking up the child yeah, with up. his telekinetic powers i like his it's very good it's very good good vassal good, good. <laughs> um but yeah we we get a flashback here with um this is another trailer shot, actually. <laughs> um, oh, pa, ooh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the fight. It's a it's a lady fight. Yeah, it's a we're back in ancient Egypt. Uh, Did you see the booties on these two stunt ladies fighting? Like, there's there's a whole lot of booty. There's some, in this. There's some wiggling going on. There's, there. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of booty in this scene. Yeah. and uh, when Rachel Vise has got her spear slash axe thing. Oh, yeah. the flip that she does off the wall. Is yeah, the kick bitchin'. flip off the wall is pretty bitching. Um, yeah, basically, we're, we're in ancient times, and uh, the pharaoh is watching his daughter, Nefertiti, Nefertiti? Nefertiri, yeah. Uh, who is Rachel Vise. Yes. So this is her in her past life, apparently, and Anaksuna Moon, uh, who is her his wife, I think. Yeah, it's his wife, his young So wife. it's his wife and his daughter going at it. Yeah, and they're the and, same age. And so he's, he's, he's jerking it the whole time. <laughs> from what I understand of uh, dads who have a daughter that also has a wife the same age as their daughter, th- I think the daughter and the wife never get along. From what I've understand from movie, it's trucks. science. Yeah, they, they <laughs> do not get along. It, it's science, but yeah, they're they're having a fight, and they start out like using Egyptian size, basically. Mm-hmm. So Raphael from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I love the way this is shot too, because this is like we're not in like a, a courtyard or anything. We're in a room, and it's literally like a, like if they were taking a photo, like a, a royal's photo. It's just like everybody's. Yeah, they get some of the, the, the things like that. But yeah, the, the poses. The, the back of the room, though, yeah. everybody's lined up shoulder to shoulder. There's literally, like, someone's got a hand on somebody's shoulder watching it. And I like Emotep's just, like... So there's no there's no layers to the audience. No. It's just, like, one long... It's, it's like it's like a choir choir stand. Yeah. yeah. Just in, in on levels, basically. Yeah, they have bleachers. Yeah, <laughs> they have they're Egyptian bleachers. Egyptian bleachers. <laughs> and nobody's reacting to the fighting. Everybody's just standing there. So it's a very Japanese audience. Yeah. It's like, nothing's happening. We're not gonna react don't react uh so yeah so they're kind of going at it whatever it is um and do we get the uh this is where she gets she sees uh how the pharaoh dies too yeah uh so the, the fight scene plays out um cannot emphasize enough crouching tiger hidden dragon came out in the year 2000 <laughs> um there's a iconic sequence in that movie where it's zangzi and michelle yo go at it with different types of weapons mm-hmm. it's a protracted martial arts sequence pretty sure they had that in mind when they were putting the scene together mm-hmm. um basically the result of the fight is anakusuna moon wins 
Um, and by the way, they do a thing where the first stanza in the fight is them wearing masks. And then so you they, don't know who it is, yeah. And then they lift the masks up and we see, oh, that's Rachel Wise. And also that gives us an excuse to force the ladies to do their own stunt work. Yeah. Which again was kind of a thing at the time. That's what you do. And they do a that, great job. Th- this is still a thing. In fact, even more so. I, <laughs> you want to know the easiest way to promote your action movie? Do the behind the scenes of the action hero yeah, training. Do, do, do the gym montage of showing how said actor got in shape for the role. And then do the behind the scenes of showing them do the action scenes themselves. Dude, dad bod Henry Cavill is disgusting. I've never seen it. Oh my gosh. Him getting into shape. He's gross looking with when he's like getting into shape. Because he's just not... He just does not have that Superman look in the off season, man. I they had him doing his like workout and stuff, and he's wearing his like his gym shorts and his. <laughs> oh, dude, I, 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 I have to see the after, please. I haven't seen Henry Cavill out of shape. Uh, Fallout is on Prime right now, by the way. Oh, yeah. I I have my 4K. Mm. I don't need Prime. Uh, I'm gonna rewatch that bathroom scene. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, both ladies equip themselves quite well. Anuxinamu wins the fight. And this results in a, what is it, Nefertiti has to like guard the Book of the Dead or something. Yeah, something like and that. And Anuk gets to, basically they're competing over the right to defend something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow, so you mean I risked my life to have the right to guard something? Cool. It was probably honor or something. Like and there's a, a cool moment here where we see a... a Rachel Weisz catches Anuk Sunamun making eyes at Emotep. I like this editing here because they kind of slow it down and speed it up. It's kind of cool. Well, yeah, it's it's a it's a good way to visually communicate feelings without words. And then we back to the future too. This shit. Yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> Ra- Rachel Weisz has got her hair combed. She's just kind of chilling out on her balcony, and she watches the opening scene of the first movie. We see uh, Anuk Sunamun and uh, Emotep making out, and then we get like the behind shot, which is cool. Um, we get the behind shot. We see them, you know, kill the pharaoh, and she's like yelling at the magi to come up there, and uh, she sees him die and she runs like she's running towards the balcony but she's on the dirigible we come back to real time (laughs) she's about to jump off this thing and Brendan Fraser's like god damn it Um, (laughs) can you go like five minutes without launching yourself off something Jesus (laughs) he ends up catching her um and she kind of explains oh this is great uh I forgot about this before she before we go through this whole thing uh Brendan Fraser's talking about uh, uh our uh, death bay is giving us some exposition. He's like, "Listen, you're a magi. It's it's your destiny and shit like that." And um, so he's Brendan Fraser's like, "So my wife is a reincarnated uh, reincarnated princess, and I'm a warrior for God." So the the movie's kind of self aware with him. He's like, "Yeah, this is pretty stupid." I wrote that here in my notes because I noticed that too, and I said, "Oh wow, they do the Marvel thing where they make light of the ridiculousness of the situation." And the reason I call that the Marvel thing is it's a thing that I've noticed in almost every Disney product for the past ten years. Yeah. That it's it's a it's a way of winking at the audience. Yeah. Where it's like we know this is dumb. You know this is dumb. Isn't this fun? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of it comes from like improvised performances too. Where it's just like, you're doing a scene where Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, is standing in for a, a sentient speaking raccoon. Mm-hmm. You're going to have takes where the actors are going to see the elements around them and understand this is really this stupid. Is really stupid. <laughs> like, and they're going to verbalize it at some point. So you may as well just put that energy into the film. Yeah, so they... Uh... Rachel Weiss comes back to she's telling him like yeah so I'm like a princess and shit she's like no it's all real Rachel. It's, it's all real and he's like, so, it sounds like 
sounds like his wife wants to like get involved in a su- supplement pyramid yeah, scheme. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. You don't understand. I want, I want to start a business. Yeah, she's like, yeah. I, I'm going to go back to school to be a nutritionist. It's, it's, I can totally. I'm, I'm going to get a job doing that. And he's just like, you don't understand. Wow. Nutritonics is going to work. Like it's, 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 it's such a legit business. So I we, know so many people. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we. I see. That's. Heroes arrive. So yeah, so the O'Connells are kind of like uh, like one step behind Emotep and his crew, uh, and they're trying to figure out where they're gonna go next, and they don't really know. Um, f- little little Freddie or Alex. Uh, may as well be Freddie. It's it's, it's a very whatever. punchable name. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's he ends up uh, coming up with a system to let them know where he's going. Uh, he makes little sandcastles of the next the next spot, and it's. It's clever. It's clever. This kid is amazing at sandcastles. To their credit. And this is, I mean, it's complete bullshit. Yeah. These sandcastles are amazingly intricate. Yeah. Complete bullshit. Yeah. But to their credit, um, his first scene in the movie, or like his second scene in the movie, is uh, his dad saying, go build a better mousetrap or something. Yeah. And then we literally see him do that. So yeah. like we can tell. He's crafty. He's crafty. Yeah. So that, that is established in the writing and the presentation of the film. Although some of these sandcastles are, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're on, they're on the trail. We just keep getting shots. Like I think you have in your notes, like, yeah, just, we keep going to the various exotic locales. Going, <laughs> Come to Egypt. Yes. It's yes. spectacular. <laughs> just keep going to these places. And, um, Finally, like, Lachna's, like, they're, they're piecing it together, like, or he sees the kid making uh, another sandcastle. He's also losing more and more clothes. That's how he indicates where the sandcastles are. And he's, like, they have him on, like, a camel reading a book, and he's just, like, in his in his skivvies and, like, a, a t-shirt. Um, but Lachna notices um, the bird, um, uh, our death base bird. Yeah. He ends up, he doesn't shoot it yet, but he's about to. Yeah. Um, but they end up, uh, ends up, like fucking little shit like like, you're the reason why they keep following and uh i do like this um i like this sequence here where we get the uh the face this time you like this sequence i there's uh i'm sure you noticed it but they have um they have uh emotep in the river and it's like up to his waist up to his like up to his stomach and he's just like he's pissing in the pool by the way (laughs) he's totally he's like don't come out here don't come out here (laughs) don't come out here but give me a minute this is where he gets the he gets the water up and he's basically gonna put the dirigible in his mouth and knock them down. But we go through this whole sequence. The dirigible goes down, but he goes in while it's waist deep, and then he comes out and it's just up to his feet. I just like that that editing where he just basically took all the water out of there. Yeah, see, that's cute. I, I like I like Arnold Vosloo. Yeah, like I like his scenes, but it's when he's doing his mummy magic that I kind of get disengaged and. I think of this like this wave sequence is like maybe one of the most useless effects slash action beats in the whole movie. It worked in the first one. It was a callback that they didn't need to do in this one. Yeah, basically it's a redo of the the sand. Yeah, the sand the sandstorm. Yeah, when it has his face in it, and every time we cut back to Arnold Vosloo doing mouth acting, yeah, he's doing I, I'm like yay. <laughs> like I squee, but then we see the really, really, really janky CGI. Yeah. I've said it before on the show: water and gold mm. for for CGI animators, especially at this point in time. Like not so much nowadays. Like we have all sorts of particle effects and shit that can yeah. take care of the stuff, like take care of the physics, especially. But like back in the day, 
Water? Fuck. Like I, you're you're that's a tall order. I remember the end of X Men three. I the the water that they did in that movie. I don't know if you remember the like ending fight at, they, at Alcatraz. Yeah, there was there was um, some some the water coming up. I think there was some phoenixing going on. It looked kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, she had a lot of shit going. On. <laughs> I I don't remember a I don't remember a water effect. I mostly just remember people disappearing into dust. Hmm. Um, I would like to see if there's like a director's cut of that movie, like a Brett Ratner director's cut, because I've heard there's a lot of uh, cutting room floor stuff, like a lot of just straight up deleted scenes. I've I've heard that, the same thing, but that make the movie like a, a skosh better. I've heard that there are editing floor scenes that were going to make it so much worse as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was not aware of that. Um, um, but yeah, the long story short, uh, Imhotep throws a big wall of water at our heroes in the dirigible. Uh, they're in a canyon, and they have, like, the Nile River underneath them. And uh, they basically escape, although the dirigible crashes. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah. But it doesn't matter anyway, because we have arrived at the oasis of Amsher. Yes, we have So we got to where we were going anyway. We and everybody's fine. <laughs> we, we crash into the third act here. And, <laughs> literally. Uh, literally. Uh, yeah, we get to the oasis. Um now they're they're really set on getting their kids. Now it's like crunch time. Like yeah. she knows the, the she knows the deal too that if he doesn't get the bracelet off, he's gonna die. Or at least um, Death Bay knows that. He's like, yeah, we have to get the bracelet off of him. Oh no, does he know that? No, he doesn't know. I think he knows, but he doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we uh, we get into the oasis in, in the evening, and uh, we're just kind of walking through the jungle here. And it, everything in this scene remind me of the Lost World, mm, nineteen ninety seven. You know, you, you, not too far away. If you're gonna borrow from movies, you may as well borrow from fucking Spielberg. <laughs> like that's a good way to go. Um, but yeah, we we see here like the uh, all the bad guys, just like in the Lost World, grossly outnumber our heroes. Yeah. Like they have a, a small army of cultists, and they're marching through the jungle. And uh, we note that there are like corpses of like Napoleonic French people and like Roman legionnaires and stuff. So like, there's a lot of folks who've tried and failed to, to do what they're doing right now. And uh, meanwhile, though, our heroes run into the jungle and uh, they're setting up like an ambush. Mm. So the idea here is that Jonathan and, and Evie will be posted up like on high at an elevated point with rifles and they'll be shooting into the crowd while Ardeth Bay and Rick will be on the ground level trying to save the kid. Mm. Um, and this is where we get that aforementioned cute moment where uh, Rick is like trying to, I don't know, push past the the fear that he's feeling. Like, uh, so wife, um, you remember how to shoot, right? Shoot. <laughs> She's like, yes, husband. Yeah, I know. Yeah, husband, I'm fine. And he's like, oh, well, you know, gender roles are very, very <laughs> clearly defined in the 30s. Yeah. It's like, did, did you bring a sandwich, woman? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's like, you didn't? <laughs> you did not? <laughs> Do you want time to uh, serve drinks while we uh, talk about our plan here? Yeah. Uh, so, But in the meantime, though, our, all the bad guys are trudging through the jungle, and we get some monster vision shots. Stuff that, if you've seen Deep Rising, you're familiar with the fact that Stephen Summers knows how to shoot monsters and yeah. stuff. And the mummy, of course. Um, and then we get another kind of worthless trailer shot where mr hafez looks directly into the camera and says something is he's coming, coming. Yeah. It's, and then nothing comes for several minutes yeah. it's, oh, it's completely worthless yeah so we uh we get uh they have the ambush um we've got 
So they haven't started shooting yet, I don't think, before no. the pygmies come in. So the, the pygmies are introduced. The and, pygmies. Ugh. The pygmies. The, maybe the strangest and most worthless part of the movie. Yeah. Like, it's just, this scene didn't really need them. Um, I remember even as a kid kind of rolling my eyes at yeah. this. So the, the pygmy mummies are basically these little gremlin-sized guys who behave very much like gremlins, by the way. And uh, basically, they, they overrun all the bad guys. Yeah. And, and we're in the long grass. Yeah. Don't go into the long grass. Don't go into the long grass. Um, and, man, the bad guys just get trashed here. <laughs> like, the pygmies wreck their shit yeah. with little knives and spears and blowguns. Yeah, we get the... Uh, so, while this is happening... Uh, Emotep tells uh, Lachna, or they say, go retrieve the bracelet. Like, you get to finally kill the kid. Um, we end up having our showdown again of Lachna and Ardeth Bay. Evie is still up there, like, shooting up at the top. Jonathan somehow finds his way down, uh, down into the, into the... I don't remember how, he just does. He just kind of does. That's not your role. That's no. not your role, Jonathan. Know your role. No, you are a shooter <laughs> up there. Yeah. Um, he ends up with the guy, the, the sidekick guy. They're running away from the pygmy things, and he goes into this circle of stones. I love that. He's like, no, no, you see these ancient stones? They'll never pass it. Like, Are you sure? <laughs> this guy gets dispatched. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. Cause I, I like the timing here. Cause like the two of them just kind of like they're like, okay, we're we're safety in numbers here. <laughs> but then one of the pygmies just hops over the stones and jams a fucking spear through this guy's torso. Heart. It's in his fucking heart. But he gives Jonathan a look like. Come, what? Yeah. Come on, man. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, and he just gives him a sorry and he runs off. It's, it's very it's very cute. I liked it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the pygmies are wrecking shit. Uh, Ardeth Bay and Loch Nah have their rematch. Um, by the way, Kyle, have you ever heard of the Diablo series of computer games? Yeah. Uh, it's made by Blizzard. It's It has a really devoted fan base. It's basically like a... Uh, a loot-based dungeon crawler. So you, you go down into the depths of hell, you kill a bunch of shit. Every time you kill something, it drops something to collect. So you collect shit and you kill shit. Gotcha. And it's usually medieval-themed. It's very dark, dark fantasy. Right. Um, the second game, uh, Diablo 2, came out in, I think, like, 98? And the the sequence of events go from, like, medieval Europe, London, to the deserts of Egypt, to the jungle, <laughs> to hell. So it just the the sequence of events closely mirrors that of this movie, yeah. like this changes of venue, okay. And and not only that, the jungle sequence of Diablo two features pygmies who have basically the same like the same yeah. like vocalizations, uh, Frank Welker type shit. But um, but yeah, the pygmies get lots of like weird gremlin esque moments here where like really cruel sequence where there's some guys in a in a pool of quicksand. And one of them's like jumping on his head, tamping yeah. down their heads. I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's horrible." Yeah. Um, I did like that they uh, they respect the pimpness that is Imhotep. Yeah. Like, Fuck off. Dudes. Yeah, he just shoots them a look, and they just kind of like cower and like slink back into the woods. And he's well, like, "Fuck you." <laughs> he's full like he's full Imhotep now. So he's where he was at the end of the first movie. Like he's all air generated. He's got his powers. So yeah, they have to respect him. Um, he's headed towards the, uh, the, the pyramid. Oh yeah. They're, they're going towards a giant golden pyramid in the center of the oasis, in yeah. the center of the oasis. That's where they're heading. Um, and Brendan Fraser 
like picks up the kid and he, he's like dad you don't understand i gotta get the bracelet to the pyramid or i'm gonna die and he's like my god oh uh, yeah that's where rachel weiss gets her trailer shot yeah. where the camera zooms in and she says oh um, my god but her delivery is so flat that's yeah. like that's not what evie would do also she's looking like right in the camera when she's doing yeah she too. i mean when you think of the character of evie you think of her being like goofy and bumbly and stuff not she's, not oh my god she's like a millimeter her eyes are a millimeter away from breaking the fourth wall like she's yeah. almost saying she, it directly. very nearly a hot tub time machine um but yeah uh, needs to be said Arthur bay does kill lochna mm-hmm. it's very unfortunate yeah i like both of them yeah it would be nice if they both made it to the end credits sadly no nope. it's just a it's just a sword fight in the middle of mass hysteria which is a clever concept but i think it distracts from the fight itself yeah. it's it just too much noise so too much stuff it, going on yeah so it kind of takes away from the impact point is one of the cooler characters in the movie is now dead and we still have some movie left yeah <laughs> um but yeah uh we run to the pyramid um the kid the kid does the fucking kid thing where he's like dad i'm tired yeah. <laughs> and he has to carry him there and they literally outrun the sun yeah they outrun the, the yeah they out <laughs> they outrun the speed of light uh, yeah they, they literally outrun the sunrise and get to the pyramid in time to save the kid um i couldn't help but note that this was like the height of like color grading technology digital color grading technology yeah um without which we couldn't have movies like the matrix where everything has like a green tinge mm. otherwise you'd have to like build the set and light everything green now you can fix it in post so now we can have people literally outrun the sun um but yeah the bracelet's off he tosses it aside like why would you do that yeah, we need that it's made of gold anyway <laughs> like it's worth something come on now um, and then uh, we get the emotional beat. The emotional beat of the movie. Oh, you mean we're uh, Mrs. You have it down. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Hotep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mrs. Uh, Hotep. <laughs> places a knife on the waist of uh, Rachel Vice Because this is like, you couldn't get a fake knife to do. It's literally on the side. You can see it. It's really bad. It's like right behind her. <laughs> it's, it's literally on her waist. So here, I'm just going to set this right here. Yeah. Yeah. Evie dies, or Evie gets stabbed, and uh, I guess this is kind of like um, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, we like Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery. Uh, crusade, last crusade. Last crusade. There we go. Um, so yeah, now we've got as if there wasn't already character motivation. Now we've got a pissed off Brendan Fraser. Yeah, um, I did like his stay here. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a stay. Here. That's a very dadly moment. Yeah, where he he just like gets up from his, the corpse of his wife. Yeah, <laughs> and he like pimp walks away. He, he gets his big dick walk going. Yeah, and there's that his guy. hips are spread wide. All right, big time third act. Oh yeah, there's fuck all going on here, man. Um, so the the editing makes this kind of tricky to talk about because everything's happening at once. Yeah. So we are constant. This is that cradle to the grave shit where we are constantly cutting away. From this to this to this to this to this, and All right. let's let's set it out here. So we have um, Alex and uh, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. They are trying to bring back. There's a way to bring back um, Rachel Vice. We that, have the Book of the Dead. We have the Book of the Dead. So we're working on that. Um, Mister Hafez is kind of piddling around. He retrieved the bracelet. Yeah. So he's using it to activate the pyramid, which controls the army of Anubis that the Scorpion King will be taking control of. So basically, he he activates the army. 
a Noxuna Moon is kind of standing guard um, while um, Emotep, actually, he passed through this barrier, and we get another video game <laughs> thing, and he gets his powers taken away from him. Not completely. He's like Magneto at the end of X-Men 3, where he can still kind of move stuff, but he can't really do anything. Yeah. So she's like, you have to stay back here, I have to go face him alone. So she's just kind of standing guard, watch. Like, she's literally, like, posted up. Well, she mostly ends up dealing with Jonathan. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, they end up just, she so ends up dealing with She gets with bored. She's like, her boyfriend's like, I don't know. She, she gets bored of hanging out with her yeah. boyfriend. Like, he's playing too many video games, and she's like, I'm going to go over here. Yeah, she's just like, <laughs> I'm And then Brendan Fraser is making his way to fight Emotep. Yeah. And I like the, the lighting shots here while we have... Emotep is in his undies, basically, and he's just banging on a gong. Yeah, it's, it's very... I mean, there's, we cast a professional wrestler in this movie. We may as well have some stuff that's reminiscent of pro- professional wrestling. And, <laughs> and a man in a lo- loincloth banging a gong <laughs> before a big fight. Yeah, that's we, like a Triple H entrance. <laughs> we forgot to mention that this whole time, uh, Ardeth Bay has been keeping correspondence with the Magi. Yes. So the Magi have actually dispatched an enormous army, and they are basically waiting to see if the the army of Anubis is going to come back. Spoiler alert, they do. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of like this in movies sometimes when you have like a threat that's teased where it's like we absolutely can't let this happen and then they actually have it happen yeah um, it happens all the time but like it, it's one of those things it's like you as a writer you can you can either have it happen or you can have it be prevented from happening yeah and in this one they, they do a pretty good job of teasing stuff that's gonna happen and then let it happen like the army for instance yeah. like we saw what they can do in the beginning of the movie it's like now we really get to see what they can do although they're mostly ineffectual yeah uh, which kind of sucks but just the fact that they do show up is kind of cool yeah because they could have easily had it just be a thing where the rock shows up we fight him and then the army never even appears okay so this is the best part of the movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the movie it really like as far as the editing goes like keeping like it's it's action-packed this last i'd say 10 minutes i think it's like 10 minutes of just straight action where it's just back to back to back so brendan fraser and emotep uh we hear like a roar and yeah they just kind of look at each other and they just start going at it yeah it's it's pretty cool this the arena that this takes place in is lovingly detailed it looks expensive yeah <laughs> it looks real expensive it is a set it is a fucking set there are flame jets just like <laughs> everywhere um by the way um the way sean connery gains entrance to the rock directly preceding the welcome to the rock moment that that fire tunnel yeah like they have a they have that here yeah. in the yeah. pyramid yeah. <laughs> but yeah there's flame jets everywhere there's torches there's all sorts of medieval Egyptian weaponry just everywhere. There's hieroglyphics on the walls. There's fucking stalactites on the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and a portal to hell. And a portal of... <laughs> that's what happens. He jumps across the portal to hell, and that's when the Scorpion King kind of comes together. Yeah, there's a portal to hell in the middle of the room. So we're so Jonathan and Alex are doing what Jonathan is doing at the end of the first movie. He's like, hey, we need to get the key so we can open up the book so we can read from the book. So Jonathan has to go pick a fight. He calls her winch, by the way. <laughs> he goes to pick a fight with uh, Anaxuna Moon. Yeah. And I mean, she's, she's like a, like a war, like she knows how to like to do combat. She like, that's she's doing she, like cat martial arts. <laughs> she's doing I'm, like this. Cat, she's doing like Shang Tsung and Mortal Kombat three shit. I like this fight. Cause it's funny. Jonathan's just kind of getting popped in the face and like, you could tell that he doesn't know how to fight. It's hurting him enough. He's just like, it, it's agitating, but it's not knocking him, knocking him down. And they're just kind of going back and forth. Um, Alex <laughs> is reading from the book. 
and um, yeah, he's like, it's a bird, a stork. Yeah. Um, they end up. He's got his mom right there. They end up bringing her back. Yeah. Um, they they repeat the beat from the the first film. Yeah. Where she's she's reading from the book. Yeah. Now her spawn is reading from the book, and Correct. he has her like elbow wiggle gesture when she can't quite sound something out. And then Jonathan remembers what was remembered at the end of, yeah. of the first film. The Ananafus! We forgot to mention uh, Mr. Hafez. Yeah, <laughs> his hand! He gets he takes the bracelet because <laughs> uh, uh, Rick passes him. It, it, he, he just sees him. I love, I love Brendan Fraser's expression. Yeah. When, when, no, it's not, it's not that. It's just like... <laughs> <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> he gives just like a... <laughs> kind of like you get yours kind yeah. of deal. Uh, yeah, Mr. Hafez gets his hand sucked off. And he's holding this prosthetic, like this fake, this fake bony, gooey hand. Yeah, it uh, looks like it looks like a skeleton hand that got sneezed on by a big monster or yeah. something. Uh, so he unleashes the uh, the army of Anubis. Their interest is kind of cool. I I like I really like the shadow. So this uh, basically he he sticks his hand in something that you absolutely should not stick your hand in. Nope. It's, a, it's a giant golden scorpion statue with a hole in the middle. Yeah. No, you don't put your hand in that. Um, and then when he, he trips something in it, like a giant scorpion shadow shoots out from the pyramid through the oasis and out into the sand dunes. And then the, we get this really long shot of the camera panning across the dunes and there's like millions of little scorpions that are comprising the, sh- the shadow itself. Mm-hmm. So on the, on the fringe, like on the edge of the shadow, you can see like little scorpion pincers and stuff. And then the shadow just stops and retracts but all the sand that the shadow touched remains black. Yeah. And then, like, the, the warriors, like, rise up from the sand. And they just start out as, like, amorphous blobs of sand. And then they slowly take shape. And then they turn into the, the dog soldiers from the... <laughs> dog soldiers? The dog soldiers. <laughs> Literally the, dog soldiers. Yeah, the, the beginning of the film. And there are a shit ton of them. Also, there's a shit ton of Magi, though. And as we said... Uh, Magi handle themselves quite well. Yeah. <laughs> they acquit themselves quite well. Yeah. Uh, the only way to kill an Anubis warrior is apparently to decapitate, depacitate them. Depacitate them, yeah. Um, and yeah, they do really well. We get another trailer shot where an Anubis warrior throws an axe towards the camera. I remember that distinctly being in the trailer. <laughs> uh, yeah, Evie comes in and saves uh, Jonathan from being stabbed. Yeah, and- she she steals the moment that I... Uh, Maybe I maybe I stole it from this. <laughs> uh, my uh, revised ending for The Dark Knight Rises that I I insist would have been better. Um, basically, my ending for The Dark Knight Rises would be um, the big police riot fight happens at the end of the movie. Um, except for Batman is he appears like in the head of the line, but it's like not Batman. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt dressed as Batman, mm. and everybody's like, "Oh, it's Batman!" So he like rallies the troops and stuff, and then Bane finds him in the crowd, and he's like. You're not Batman. You're not Batman. <laughs> and then he beats the shit out of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's dressed as Batman. That would be pretty good. And he's like got him on the ground. And he's about to smash his face, and he's like, "You're just a pretender." And then like a hand comes in from out of frame, and it's Bruce fucking Wayne. He's that would like, be kind of cool. But I am. <laughs> but, but so she—that's how she saves Jonathan. It's yeah. like Anuk Moon's about to kill him, and then a hand comes in from out of frame, and <gasps> Mom's alive again. She has the worst fucking stare down I've ever seen. Yeah. It's awful. I mean, Rachel Weisz is just so sweet. She's, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, she's not sweet in the favorite. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, gosh. She's, she's an actress, but at this stage in Acting. her career. <laughs> Acting! <laughs> uh, yeah, so we we get back to the Emotep and uh, O'Connell fight. 
And I think we bring in uh, the Scorpion Rock. <laughs> Scorpionock? Scorpionock, yeah. Uh, yeah, enter the Scorpion King. And this is some of the most infamous CGI of its day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. Um, the Rock was actually a huge, instrumental in that in a lot of ways. So he was actually a big selling point for me to want to go see this movie as a kid. Um, he's in the first couple of minutes of this movie and nothing else. <laughs> uh, because instead of him, the Scorpion King, uh, we get a fully CGI monster that is the top half of The Rock done entirely in cgi bad cgi Mm -hmm. and then the bottom half is a scorpion body and his arms are pincers (laughs) yeah that's pretty funny um but yeah he does not look great by any standard um and yeah some of the some of the shots in his entrance in particular are just i mean it's all one shot but oof it's a overly ambitious does not begin to describe it um he just looks phony. He doesn't yeah. look like he's really there. And I think the most upsetting part of it for me was that they gave him like the most generic monster voice imaginable. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just yeah. like really obviously modulated. Just <laughs> kind of. He just sounds like not even like a Doom quality monster voice. He just sounds really generic. And, yeah. <laughs> and and he. <laughs> When he's laughing, <laughs> like, why is he laughing? Yeah, like, sense. why is he laughing while he's fighting people? It's just like, come on, man. He's just deeply disappointing. But I like the opening moment in the fight where he, like, charges out the gate after his grand entrance. And he makes a beeline towards Imhotep, who, like, crouches down on his knees and puts his hands up and says, like, I'm your servant, I'm your servant, I'm your servant. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just here to do whatever it is you need me to do. That motherfucker's yeah. here to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's very tricky. He's the heel. So basically, Emotep's trying to do something. I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish, but Brendan Fraser's just running around a room trying I think to... he's just buying time, to be honest. Pretty much. <laughs> um, what's his face? The uh, uh, Mr. Hafez kind of makes his way in there. Scorpion King... <laughs> Scorpion King gets a hold of him. He's like, "Help me! Save Help me! me. Save Master! Yeah. Save me!" He's like, "Why?" Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Scorpion King just out of frustration is like, "Oh, just woof, just rips him into like eight pieces." Yeah, I I had a thought about this when I was watching it last night. Where like the way he, the way he gets got, Mister Hafez, um, he gets grabbed in front of the camera, and then the Scorpion King runs off with him and runs like into the middle of the room and up onto the ceiling. Yeah. And then you know turns him into. A, a million pieces. Yeah, yeah. He, he rips him into many pieces. I think the reason they... The choreography there is just really weird. Yeah. Like he's just still like running around like... Yeah, um, it's like, why did you have to go up on the ceiling to do that? Yeah. Um, I think the reason for that may have been like censorship. Mm. It's like it would have been too violent to have it happen too close to the camera. Gotcha. So if, if we do the Jurassic Park lawyer thing where it's like, you know, you have the figure be pretty small in the frame and then have him get whipped around, it's like, oh, it's, you know... It's less offensive to the kids and stuff. But yeah, he gets got real bad. Um, uh, as he should, because, I mean, he's kind of been the bad guy up to this point, and he's a sleazy son of a bitch. The the ladies are fighting. Uh, Rachel Weiss gets a good, uh, just like a, a quick little slice on an ox in the moon, and that was like, oh shit, I can't beat her. And she just takes off running. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Rachel Weiss just like, bitch. And just going she chases out. her down the fire tunnel. Yeah. yeah, and they get to, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we get... Uh, Alex and uh, Alex and Jonathan get to where uh, Rick is like fighting and stuff, and they see the Scorpion King. And they both start. It's screaming. pretty fucking funny. It's actually. really funny. <laughs> Jonathan is really like, holy, holy shit! 
Uh, so yeah, we the so yeah the the magi uh, they got through the first wave. Of yeah, the... uh, they they fight long and hard, and then uh, it appears that they won the fight. Yeah, and then uh, Ardeth Bay uses his spidey sense or something, and mm-hmm. we get a really strange sequence of him running through a crowd out to like the other end of of the line of soldiers, and he runs up on the top of a dune, and we know what's coming. But he gets to the top, and we see, like, in the distance, just... World a, War Z. Yeah, a, a tidal wave of just dog soldiers coming at him. Yeah. So it's like, all is lost, kind of. Like, yeah. Unless unless the O'Connells, unless the white people do their part, <laughs> like, we're fucked. <laughs> Dan S. Deus X white people uh, get this shit done. Um, so yeah, they... Yeah, he's just basically, till death, he just yells, like, alright. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a William Wallace... It's not a William Wallace speech but it, it you know solidarity we're all gonna die cool <laughs> rick realized rick rick is like running around away from the scorpion king and he looks at um uh like a stone carving of a dude and he looks he looks back at it and he's got the it's got the magi wrist tattoo and he looks over that set that scepter that we mentioned a few times is the spear and he's just like Oh, that's how we have to kill him. So he's yelling. They even have an image depicting the spear yeah. going into the torso. You want to kill him? That's how you kill him. Yeah. Um, I, I do like his line where he's like, "Yeah, I'm a believer now. <laughs> now I'm a believer." <laughs> so he's like, "I like how he's explaining it to Jonathan." He's like, "It's a spear." And he's like, "Yeah, uh, I, I don't think so." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny actually. Uh, I don't know. They go back and forth a few times. Yeah. He's uh, like, I know it doesn't look like a spear, but it totally is. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so everybody is basically everybody's come to this room, yeah. And uh, we get so get, they turn into a spear, and Jonathan throws it at the Scorpion King, yeah. Only to stand back. I'm a professional. <laughs> and I love this is one of my favorite scenes in this. Is um, <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do it. Uh, Emotep. Arnold Vosloo is like crouched down behind a pillar <laughs> off screen and he goes to throw it and he just jumps up and just like <laughs> like spins it around like, ah! yeah he does some yeah. Power Ranger shit with this and uh, he's just like now I'm gonna throw this motherfucker so yep he throws it it's coming straight for the Scorpion King and then <laughs> CGI Brendan Fraser just <laughs> comes in and grabs it yeah uh, so this is this is where it gets to be the funniest part. Yeah. Um, Brendan Fraser does a little bit of running around. He has the spear, and he's about to get got by the Scorpion King. And as he's falling backwards into hell, yes, he stabs up. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, the Scorpion King has little hands inside his body <laughs> holding the spear up because. O'Connell's at a 45 degree angle backwards. You would slip out of him and just fall. And this is my favorite. This is one of my favorite things. Do you have it written down? I have it screen captured. Oh my gosh. I have two different shots of it screen captured. So we have O'Connell. We have this this scene where uh, he stabs the Scorpion King. The Scorpion King looks at him, looks down. (laughs) And we get back to, we go back to this shot of Rick hanging and Emotep. Comes into frame. <laughs> they have been sitting there for about five seconds. And he comes in to his knees. Ah! Nice! Oh it's so funny. They've, there's got to be a gif of it somewhere. So good. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, we had to take a little pause there to take a look at the picture because it's too funny. 
But yeah, uh, right before the rock gets stabbed, he flashes a people's eyebrow. CGI rock flashes mm. a people's eyebrow because, of course. But what's really funny uh, about the scene, it hadn't occurred to me until just now, is that you have a professional wrestler, arguably the most popular professional wrestler at that time. Although Austin probably, 316. Yeah, Stone Cold had him beat, for yeah. sure. But um, the rules of this match are a triple threat match. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like you have three people and the... The singular winner of the contest is the is anybody can get pinned, um, so long as one of them gets pinned. Yeah, Stone Cold so he, just just stunned Triple H. Yeah. And now. No. <laughs> so it, it's just really funny the notion of people competing over who gets to kill the Rock. It's like a foregone conclusion. He's gonna get got. Yeah. It's just who gets to do it. Um, but yeah, Scorpion King dies here. The whole army goes with him. Brendan Fraser gets to say his action movie tagline here, the go to hell and take your friends with you, yeah. which is actually not bad. Um, <laughs> the rock's head appears in a giant black fart cloud. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, over the pyramid, all the dog soldiers die. It's actually kind of cool how they, they actually run through the magi, mm-hmm. but turn to dust the instant they touch them. Yeah. And then like it gets pulled back like an undertow. <laughs> and then Ardeth Bay just goes... Oh, yeah. really happy. <laughs> He's so happy he can't even say words. Yeah, the, um, uh, the oasis is collapsing. So we thought we were out of danger. Now we're really not out of danger because it's uh, basically going to suck plode. It's going to like yeah. Suck. The oasis is being retracted into the pyramid, but in a dangerous fashion. Yes, and we get this this really emotional moment where uh, both Imhotep and Rick are hanging over the portal to hell. Uh, there's some like hell beasts like pulling pull- them in yeah pulling them in and so they're both unable to pull themselves up and then both of their wives are standing at a doorway watching this happen and they both call for their wives and only evie comes yeah anuk Moon takes off like a stone cold bitch this is a good uh this was good uh good vosluvac good vosluvac good vosluvac because he's like he screams after her, and then he kind of tears up a little bit when he has that just kind of like when yeah, when he has that moment of clarity where he's like, mm-hmm. he just yeah, he, he just accepts. <laughs> and his he's death. got the one tear in his eye, and he just like looks at the happy couple, and he's like, that should be that me. really hurt. Yeah, yeah, that really fucking hurt. What a bitch. Uh, no, he, I, I like that he doesn't do that. That would have been funny. <laughs> it's like that guy in the YouTube video that gets tased. Yeah, I figured he would just be, I'll get you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? I know exactly what you're talking about. Emotep does that. Or he just raged, like pulls himself up. <laughs> <laughs> Imhotep's last words in ancient Egyptian, I'll get you, bitch. I'll get you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he lets himself get pulled into hell because he got nothing to live for anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, on the way out of the pyramid, uh, Anuksunamun meets her end. It's a fitting villain end. She mm-hmm. falls into a pit of bugs. The scarabs, yeah. Bad way to go. Bad way to go. Bad Real way bad. To go. Um, but uh, Stephen Summers is apparently a firm believer in bad people deserve bad things. Correct. Um, so... She gets a very Spielbergian end. Uh, Anthony Heald uh, definitely gets his in uh, an island. <laughs> he gets his leg broke and then he, he gets blown the fuck up. I don't know what he thought was going to happen when he jumped off that ship, but Jesus, <laughs> God, that compound fracture is tasty. It's so bad. It is bone. It is sharp bones. Oh man, it's so gross. So tasty. So yeah, we uh, uh, the Deus Ex Machina. Deus Ex Dix. Uh, yeah, Deus Ex Dizzy or uh, Izzy. Izzy was basically just like. <laughs> <laughs> 
blowing air back into this balloon, uh, getting it going again. Because he, hey! they're like at the top of the pyramid, or like they're close to the top of the pyramid, and uh, he ends up getting them back in. And Jonathan ends up like hanging from his legs. From the, he's like, pull me up, pull me up, and he sees this giant diamond thing. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. But, it, it has a weird shape to it. It looks like a basket almost. Yeah, something like that. And he's just like, put me down, put me down. <laughs> and this thing has to weigh 100 pounds. I don't know how in the fuck. It's a diamond can... the size of your torso. It's enormous. And he picks it up. He's like, it's worth a fortune. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he's basically a boo from uh, from Aladdin. He's just, yeah, or Benny. He, they're just like gold crazy. Yeah. Um, he ends up getting it up there and they, they get out alive, obviously. Yeah. No, all of our heroes escape. The, the jungle crashes into the, the pyramid, and uh, we get the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull ending, where everything that was there is just completely buried in sand now, yeah. so it's like it was never there. Um, and yeah, we're in the dirigible. Uh, we all exchange some words, some generic, like, well, that was an adventure kind of shit. Yeah. Um, Can't wait for the third one. Where fuck! There's um, Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of Yetis and, and a whole bunch of characters we neither care about nor want to care about. Oh my god. Oh, man, how did... It's the it's so bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. I and wouldn't it, think it, it was has gonna... good people in it, too. He's like, I like Jet Li. Yeah. I like Michelle Yeoh. I like these people. Not that big. But yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, the, the end of the movie, the last bits of spoken dialogue here are just... Uh, like comedic banter between Izzy and Jonathan because yeah. the whole movie it needs to be said they've been fighting over that scepter yeah. and fighting fighting over money basically pretty much um, so you have the two comedic support characters going at it and the last shot is them like flying off towards the sunset in their dirigible past the pyramids yeah. Um, but yeah that was The Mummy Returns um, as, as bad as it is in a lot of ways obviously we had fun with it oh yeah I mean I could probably put it if I saw it on TV or something. I'd probably watch it. Yeah, because it's it, it hit me at the right time. Oh, you know? it's on Cinemax or like HBO. If it just starts playing, if if they're in the tomb and she's doing the the torch thing, I'm like, yep, I'll watch it. Yeah, good enough. No, there, there's a lot of parts of it that like like I said, I didn't remember the whole movie front to back, but every every part that was worth remembering, I remembered clear as day. Yeah. And it it has that like nostalgia factor to it. It's like a warm blanket where it's like. I was of a certain age when I saw the movie. Uh, clearly, it had an impact on me. Um, it's not a good film no. by any stretch. It's very much a product of its time, which, without the nostalgia factor, I fear that it probably has very little to offer people that are maybe a little younger than us. Yeah. Like, if you sat somebody down to watch this who was, like, 21 or 20 or something, they'd probably be like, what am I watching? Because yeah. because so many effects don't just don't hold up. It looks goofy. It looks kind of overly ambitious in a way that's like harmful to the overall enjoyment of the film uh definitely better than the prequel to this movie the scorpion king i would say is more or less a prequel kinda. i don't know that movie has that like conan the destroyer feel to it yeah. that it it's dumb but it knows it's dumb and it knows it's cheap that's the main thing is that it's a it's a small budget film that is just it's just a adventure film, sword and sandals kind of shit. That it's like we don't have money for all the CGI stuff, so let's just lean really heavy into the fact that we have The Rock leading the movie, and then let's have him. From a casting standpoint, there's a there's a rule that I keep in the back of my mind. If you have X item and Y item, and you know you know X and Y about those things, you need to have them slam into each other. Mm-hmm. So the rule is if you have The Rock and Vin Diesel, 
they have to slam into each other. Yeah. They have to. And if you have Michael Clark Duncan and The Rock, you have to have them punch each other. Their it's fight, a rule. Their fight was awesome. Yeah. They destroyed that entire village. Yeah. It was hilarious. I loved it. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy the Scorpion King. And Kelly Who is quite nice. Yeah. yeah Ke- Kelly, Who's, Kelly Who is always welcome. Never seen her in anything else, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Martial Law. Good times. Terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> X2 also. I was going to say, she was in the second X They didn't let her talk, which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah, it's fine. She also got killed by Jason Voorhees. I did not know that. Uh, Jason uh, goes to Manhattan. Oh my gosh. It's I the seventh one, I think. I haven't seen it. I've hardly seen it. It's not good. It's not good. I don't think so. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining us here at Catching Up on Cinema for our 50th episode. Um, that being said, uh, we look forward to 50 more. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us.